righty, everybody. Welcome to Zoots Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you a sweet science straight up with no twist. I'm not sure what happened right there. I lost all of my audio and all of my uh, switchboard capabilities just as we were going on air. So I'm not sure if Trump's after me or what, but I think I got things back on the control. So we'll skip the intro music since I think everybody's listening to silence for a couple of minutes. And we'll get right to it. My name is Anthony George, also known as Zoot. And we got a nice, fun show planned for you uh, this evening. A little bit later on, we'll be hearing from Dat Win, who pulled off a major upset a couple of weeks ago. And we'll also be talking with... Uh, Tiafimo Lopez, who is on the rise. He's fighting in his third professional fight next week on St. Patrick's Day. And I hear nothing but wonderful praises about this young pugilist. So that's what's in store for us a little bit later on. Right now, we're going to uh, speak with uh, a panel regarding uh, a couple of uh, hot boxing topics. We've got a big fight this weekend. David Lemieux versus Curtis Stevens, a big middleweight slugfest uh we'll rehash a little bit of the thurman garcia fight because there are some things uh, uh that i learned that i was not aware of uh when i was on the air live after the post fight show and uh, some of our guests were not there as well but uh, without further ado let's introduce our panel we have uh, the great uh, boxing announcer Ron Christian to join us, the director of operations from Split T Management, Joe Kiambo, and Max matchmaker extraordinaire, Zach Pamilio. So I'm going to open up all your gentlemen's mics at one time so you could all say hello to each other. Sorry about the beginning there. I don't know what you guys heard, but I couldn't hear anything, and it said I was disconnected. So. <laughs> I had to really uh, use my high Sully Sullinger IQ to get things going. What's going on, everybody? It's Joe Keon. How's everybody? Uh, how come? How come I get matchmaker extraordinaire and, and Joe doesn't? What's going on here? He's worked. For, he's he's made the more money than me. I'll, uh, I, I'll, I can certainly refer to him as matchmaker extraordinaire as well. How's that? Does that, does that or, work or out? Just, or just uh, war, uh, big bucks. Well, you, see, Zach, you may, you know, I, I thought you knew me better than that. I do not to say anything about Joe, but uh, I don't necessarily equate money with success. <laughs> success with making money, I should say. Good, uh, good as, point. As we, as we should know. So, uh, But uh, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, I, I certainly don't want to give uh, Joe a backseat to anybody. Uh, so we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that one. So uh, before we start, gentlemen, let's do a little bit of moment uh, a moment of silence for Lou Duva, who passed away. Now, I saw a couple of different reports. Some said his age was 94. Some said 95. Uh, not really uh, much of a difference, but you would think you would want to get it right. So I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if any of you know, but uh, Lou Duva, well, first, let's give him the moment of silence, and we'll talk a little bit about him. Alrighty, so I mean, uh, Lou Duva, I never had the pleasure to meet him. Uh, I certainly remember him all over the television set in the 80s in the corner, working the, the corner of various different fighters. Uh, most people equate him with, uh, you know, the big uh, members of the 84 Olympic team, Meldrick Taylor, 
Pernell Whitaker, Evander Holyfield, but he, he was in the corner of a lot more than that. Obviously tied the two main events. I'll, I'll start with Mr. Christian on this one. Uh, and I, I, I'm, you know, we didn't even talk about this much off the edge. I don't know if any of you met him, but I, I assume you have stories nonetheless. Uh, Ron, what'd you say? Ron, you there? Sorry, Ron. I don't Can think you hear me? your mic. You Go me? ahead, Ron. Now I could. Okay. Uh, technical difficulties extraordinaire. Hopefully that's the last one for tonight's show. But go ahead. Well, I'm all about technical difficulties. I'm, uh, I specialize in. Now, <laughs> well, you're a lamp. You you're a Lampley fan, so sure. I'm bet- I had to get yeah, that one. So. Thank you. Thank you. I'm <laughs> glad you recognize that. Um, no, he. Um, I met him once. Uh, other than the fact that he is a true Hall of Famer, uh, you know, just his involvement with so many big fighters and big fights. Uh, unfortunately, there were a number of my friends in boxing, including guys like Marty Feldman, who also passed away recently that had disputes going on with him. Boxing sometimes is like a, a like a high school girls gym class or something where people just get aggravated with one another and don't have anything good to say. So my uh, most of my friends were not fans of Lou Duga, and I can't even give you a good reason why that is. Uh, he's a, he was a remarkable presence in the game, left behind his daughter and uh, 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 Donna, who's done a good job, and you know, what, do you, what can you say? The guy was a great. Uh, he was involved with greats. He was involved in great fights like Meldrick Taylor and uh, uh, Chavez. Um, so it's a, it's a sad day for boxing, for sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, this show is all... So, go ahead. I thought you were done. Go no, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was no, going to say, you know, this show is uh, you know all about the, bringing it straight up with no twists. And, you know, uh, I obviously know Lou from uh, watching him. And uh, obviously, as I said before, never met him. Uh, but he's not one of those guys where I could say people have never had a bad thing to say about him. I've heard several bad things about Lou Duva. But, uh, you know, and if anybody wants to share that, fine by me. I'm not all about glorifying the dead. But everything I know about him is uh, – positive in terms of uh, you know being passionate about boxing and working the corner of some legendary fighters so that's where my interest lies with him but i can honestly say that i've heard certain uh, you know bad stories about him as well but uh, you know that's neither here nor there very rare the rare few are you going to say when they die you never heard a bad story about him and uh, and all and zach milio will be one of them but hopefully he won't die for another 90 years but uh, zach you might know but <laughs> Wow, I, how do I follow that? <laughs> uh, As only you can, Zach. Uh, well, what uh, I don't, I don't have anything negative to say about about Lou. I actually did meet him um, a couple of times. Uh, I actually did some shows for Duva Boxing uh, when they had separated from main events. That was Donna Brooks's uh, company. Uh, you know, Lou's daughter. Uh, and I, I did some, I about, did about two or three shows for them at the uh, Sands in Atlantic City. Um, I guess that's going back to like 2003, 2004, maybe that time period. Um, and I also, uh, uh, I also had uh, Lou uh, work a corner for one of my shows. Probably, probably one of the last times he, you know, worked corners when I had Kendall Holt on a show at the uh, Robert Treat in uh, in Newark. 
and he came in with Hold. He was still working with him. I, I think obviously he had a uh, an assistant, but you know because he was pretty up up in age by then. But he did uh, he did, he was in the dressing room and did work with uh, with Kendall for uh, for that fight as well. Um, what I was going to say though is that you, you know you mentioned uh, 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 you know him working with uh, Taylor and 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 on a lot of the eighty four Olympians. Uh, and obviously uh, Pazienza and all the other guys that he worked right, with right, throughout right. You know, history. Uh, the fight that sticks out in my mind for some reason every time I think of Lou Duva isn't Chavez and Taylor or isn't – the one that sticks out for me, if you can remember this, and I think this is the right fight. I'm not positive. But the fight that he worked with Johnny Bumpus when they had open scoring, it was on national TV, and he was – on air, checking and seeing what the score was, and I think the fight. I think it was Marlon Starling. He was fighting. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm not 100 percent on that, but but he uh, he checked the scores, and when like and because it was open scoring, he because he, he knew that he was ahead, and there was a a headbutt, I believe, or somebody got cut. I'm assuming it was Bumpus. And they said, we, we can't continue, knowing full well that if it goes to the cards, we win. And I always thought, like, wow, what, mm-hmm. what, you know, what on your toes thinking that is? Because, like, you know, you, know, you could just, like, be old macho and say, oh, yeah, we can go on and, you know, and wind up maybe losing the fight. But right, right, right. right. My, I'm, I'm look, actually, I'm looking it up right now. And it, 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 I mean, he fought Starling in 86, which is actually Bumpus's last, second to last fight. So maybe that's mm-hmm. the fight I... I I distinctly remember watching that on TV, and it was one of the few open-scored fights, and, and him just having the presence of mind to go to the score, find out what the score was, and go, oh, yeah, we can't continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I vaguely remember that. I remember him working in the corner with Bumpus in, in, in a few fights, but uh, I'm not sure. But uh, let's get Joe in, in, involved in this puppy as well. Joe, your mic is open. If you want to comment on that or share your own story. I remember that fight really well. That was Marlon Stallman versus Johnny Bumpus. It was in Rhode Island. And okay, they were good. announcing the scores of the fight. And he knew. they all. Everybody knew the score. And, you know, if you're a smart boxing guy, you know your kid's ahead and he's cut. Yeah, I can't fix the cut. <laughs> I can't fix the cut. Stop the fight. We'll go to the scorecard. We win. And I think you got right, to... Right. Fighting for uh, pa, 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 Lloyd Hunnigan, and then there was another issue with that with Lou, where uh, uh, the bell rang and Lou was still in the ring, and Hunnigan ran across the ring and uh, cracked Johnny Bumpus, and then Lou goes chasing after uh, the referee, complaining about it. It, it was pretty funny. It was pretty right, funny. right, right. Yes, that I remember. Yes, <laughs> the main, I remember the first to watch TV. Uh, boxing on television when it was on Channel Four, on ABC, NBC, CBS, and I used to see him all the time. I was only like ten, eleven years old. I remember the first time I remember him was actually when Rocky Lockridge knocked out Roger Mayweather, and I remember mm-hmm. the whole Duva family jumping up, Rocky Lockridge standing over Roger because Roger came in with sunglasses and went right into his face and was really trying to <laughs> be the Black Mamba. And, right, 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 right. With that fight, Rocky hit him with a right hand, and it was down and out. And the whole Duva family was jumping up crazy. I, I'm not, I could be wrong, but I think that was one of their first world champions because 
they were it was still a building company. It was before the Olympics. So uh that was I'm sure that was one of the big moments for the Duva family in Boston. They were in main events back then. And uh every time every weekend you see him all the time, but like one day I wanna meet that guy and fast forward I'm twenty some, thirty years old, he's calling me on the phone. <laughs> so wow. Kinda, wow. Yeah, and uh we used to talk boxing. Every now, well, not too much, but every now and then, because he was involved with some fighters, and then um, uh, his uh, his son, his son-in-law, Sean George, I'm real good friends with him. I was in the amateurs with him, who was a real good fighter. So I got to meet him then, and uh, I don't know if you remember, I don't know if you knew Zab Judah in the amateurs. He was, you could tell Zab yes, was yeah. very special, and. Every time he would fight in the Golden Gloves, yeah, the whole Duva, main of all, all them fighters just come. David too, Andrew Galata, uh, uh, Lou used to come. You know, him himself used to come, and you know he was pretty popular and he was very nice to everybody, including myself. So I got nothing. Any, I only have good things, good memories about him, and uh, you know it was just one of those people that you see all the time on TV, and then when you meet them, that you know they usually say, "Don't you don't ever want to meet." Someone you really admire or look up to. I got to meet him, and he was, he was right, class right. as well as the whole Duva family. Donna, Donna Brooks, uh, Tommy, uh, his his son-in-law, Tommy, uh, Tommy, Tommy Brooks, yeah, everybody, you know, her, his granddaughter, and everybody else. They were all nice people. I got none. Only good things to say about them. And uh, Lou strikes me as uh, the kind of guy that uh, does nothing but watch boxing, study boxing, 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 boxing. If anybody's a baseball fan, uh, I always got the impression that Joe Morgan did nothing but watch baseball. If you ever listen to the way he talks about uh, the game and other things in life, uh, the guy doesn't go to the movies, this and that, only watches baseball. I always get that impression of Lou Duvis as a guy boxing 24-7. And uh, the fight that sticks out for me with uh, Lou Duva was the obviously there's so many, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about Tom Chavez Taylor in a second. But for me, it was uh, Holyfield Stewart one, where uh, Stewart was supposed to be uh, pretty much a walkover for Holyfield. That's when he was, uh, you know, cr- climbing up the ranks. He was having a, you know, he fought the likes of Inkland Thomas and uh, Quick Tillis as a heavyweight. He was just building. And uh, Stewart was giving him a little bit of trouble, and it was the middle of the round. And uh, Duva just laid a lashing at him as he said something to the effect that uh, don't don't go out there and be a hero and take shots. You get out there and you punch, goddammit, or something to that effect. And even in the post-fight, he was, even though Evander, you know, cut Alex up pretty bad and got the stoppage, he was not pleased with Holyfield's performance, and he let it be known after the fight. So that, that always stuck out for me and uh, the uh, dynamic of him working with uh, Georgie Benton for so many years, obviously Georgie has passed on uh, as well. And uh, Georgie was known as the more technical uh, guy in the corner, uh, Lou known as the rah-rah guy, so to speak, for a lack of a, a better phrase. Uh, Ron Christian, uh, what was your uh, impressions of that relationship over the years with Georgie Benton, who was also a great defensive fighter, very underrated, and Lou Duver working the corners together with so, in so many big fights. I think you nailed it. Uh, Georgie Benton was a technical master. And uh, I guess now that I, I have to fall back on some of the negativity 
just coming from the people that I knew that did not like and always had a lot of criticism for Duba. Did Duba ever take a fighter who was a and, and I would be more interested in hearing from Joe and Zach on this, but I don't recall him ever taking a fighter who was an ordinary fighter and turning him into an extraordinary fighter. He got extraordinary fighters and trained them, did a fine job with them. Uh, he was a lively presence in the game. He was a fun guy. Uh, referring back to that fight where he stopped the fight knowing he was ahead, that told me why open scoring should never, ever be done. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he was not – did he ever take a fighter – who was a ordinary fighter, and I've seen good trainers do that and turn them into superb fighters. That I never saw from Luduva. All right, well, Zach, I'll, I'll start with you. What do you think? Uh, I guess this is trivia night. Um, I can't recall him actually taking a guy. I mean, that's that's a it's a relative thing too. When you say a guy's an ordinary fighter, because obviously he's not an ordinary fighter. He just maybe was, um, you know, in a situation, you know, the guy that automatically comes to mind when people always kind of make that reference is like a Freddie Pendleton. Um, and that's not necessarily the guy was a bad fighter or the guy was an ordinary fighter. He was a guy that was just thrown in with everybody early, uh, and basically overcame a rough start. Um, and that happens. I mean, uh, it's it's a rarity because, especially in the modern world, because you know, you can make that case a little. You can make that case with uh, what we've seen with Tevin Farmer recently as well. Right. That's a great. That's a great modern example. A guy that was mm-hmm. just tossed in, never really got the opportunity to, you know, where he was always B side from from you know basically from pro debut. Um, and but yet everybody in the gym saw that hey this guy actually has some ability he's got some talent they shouldn't waste it and mind you you know that happens way too often I mean I, I don't want to get off the subject but you know I have a you know we could do an hour just on you know one of the ma- when people ask me what's the, like one of the major problems in boxing I never say a medical reason a medical things or or, uh, or or judging or anything like that. Not that those aren't issues. I say the major problem in boxing is the opponent system. I mean, me and Joe were just off air bitching about how we you know we can't find anybody for upcoming shows because I mean the opponent pool has been drained dry. I mean we, I mean, we had left that look under rocks for people. So would say the reason I bring this up is that you know there really should be some sort of you know loser bracket. Or, you know, I, I, I've maintained that there should be almost a rule across the country that there should be one loser versus loser fight or one negative record, negative record fight. And the reason for that is to replenish the opponent pool because there's just so many guys that, oh, you're going to you, you use a pro debut. OK, we'll throw him in with our our, uh, our sign killer. Get him knocked out. Then he, or he's off suspension. All right. Now I got a guy five and oh for him to fight. All right. Get him knocked out again. And the guy that mm-hmm. never gets out of the blocks, he's immediately thrown to the Lions. And, you know, I'm not saying that those guys have potentials of being champions, but that same guy, you know, there's, there's a need for a prize fighter. And guys who maybe had, would have fought 20, 30 fights years ago and have a record of maybe, you know, 15 and 15 or 16 and 14, those guys are done after five fights because, I mean, you know, who's going to stick with something where you could get KO'd, KO'd you know, five times in a row in like round two or three? You know, and, and, you know, that's 
happening more now than ever before and just forcing guys out. Plus there, there is no club shows anymore. It's just featured a side guys. So, you know, nobody just wants to see a two and three guy fight a, a three and four guy. And that's another reason why it gets weeded out. So, you know, I, I don't really have an answer to Ron's question as far as did he ever take a guy who was ordinary. I think more of the answer to that question is, is that, you know, anymore, is there a, are you able to see, like the Tevin Farmer is the rare bird now of like a guy who you can see his talent and you're like, hey, we're going to pull back on this guy and give him a chance. You know, that you don't right, see right. a lot. And I, I can't really put Lou Duva down for maybe not being able to develop that because, even though he was a trainer in ring guy, he also was connected to a promotion and promotions, you know, they're in the business of starfighters, not in developing a guy from the ashes. Right, right, right. All right. Well, good stuff. Let's see what Joe has to say. Then we'll get back to Ron. Joe, what do you think about this? Well, it's the, you know, the main events was a family run operation, which everyone had their role. Lou's role in, was in the training aspect, along with Georgie Benton, some of the other fighters like Joey Fariello, where he was able to put, give his input. And everybody, like everybody had their role. They had, uh, they had, uh, I believe Dan was running the company along with some, some of the others. And it just basically, they moved their guys right. <laughs> you know, did every... They basically, someone, a solid fighter came to them. They would bring them. They would bring them where they're supposed to be, and it was up to the fighter to produce. Uh, right, I mean, right. Feel, you feel like like the Tevin Farmer. You know, I, I, I have a, I have a spot in, in my heart for Tevin Farmer because I met him. The first time I met him is when he fought, um, he fought a Jose Pedraza on Showbox, and he literally took that fight a week's notice, and I met him. And I never seen it. He was, he was he was a very polite kid, and he was still a kid back then. He only been boxing for like three years, I believe. And you just I seen him, you know, train. I seen him hit the pads. I seen him box, and you could tell there was something in there. But he just needed the right people behind him. And you know, he took it. Uh, he got with you know he got with some people that took took a liking to him and took care of him. His whole training team, the management, everybody, everybody did their part, and that's what uh, Duva did. He played his part, and he got the best out of it, uh, the fighters that he was involved with. You know, where sometimes you know, in right, the corner, right. you have a uh, you have Georgie Benning telling what to do, but sometimes you need somebody to get up your rear and get up your excuse my language, get up your ass and tell them, let's do this, baby. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's what I remember with the the first Stewart fight with Hollyfield for sure. Uh, but uh, one thing that gets, uh, you know, that's been, uh, you know, highly publicized and, you know, the anniversary is next week on St. Patrick's Day with the, the Chavez-Taylor fight and uh, the fact that both he and Georgie Benton uh, urged Meldrick Taylor to go out there and be aggressive in that last round and go after it. We need this round. We need this round. Obviously, we all know what happened. But uh, when HBO had their Legendary Nights uh, series, Lou Duva, you know, contradicted what was being said in the corner. He was saying, oh, we, we told him to play safe, play, you know, box and play safe, which is not what was being said in that corner. 
Now, uh, would it have made a difference? I mean, you could talk about that fight for three hours straight. But, I mean, clearly not facing reality there. Uh, You know, he and Georgie Benton were urging Meldrick Taylor on that that was a must round. Remember that, Ron Christian? I do indeed. I'm not quite sure why he tried to recreate history there. And I don't know that there's anything Meldrick Taylor could have done differently. I mean, he was shot by that round. And uh, even though, obviously, Steele should never have stopped the fight with just seconds remaining, um, he was shocked. And uh, so I don't know what they would have said that would have impacted uh, that fight. But that was very strange that he tried to uh, rewrite history. Uh, by the way, back to what you guys were talking about before, when you mentioned Kevin Farmer, I said, geez, that's the perfect example. There's right, right. Kennedy and Darnell Boone who if they had been managed differently, I think uh, could have had a more successful career than they did. I don't know if you know Kennedy, but a uh, uh, true warrior. From right. uh, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, of course, Darnell Bones, Swords of Mastashi. So that's very cool that uh, what Zach was talking about, had, you know, had some of these guys been treated differently other than getting thrown to the wolves continuously, uh, they would have had far better careers and a more interesting opponent's pool. But, um, yeah, yeah, I certainly remember it well, and I have no understanding of why uh, Duba tried to recreate history there. I don't think it mattered. I don't think there was anything they could have said to him. If they had said, go out and dance the last round, he still would have got caught, I think. Um, so that's the way right, it goes. Right. Yeah. I mean, and conversely, guys who've had all the talent in the world sometimes don't pan out, especially when they get touched on the chin. So uh, fascinating conversation as always, gentlemen. But I want to move on to the the scorecards of Thurman Garcia. But if anybody has any final thoughts or comments on uh, Lou Duva, uh, now's the time. Zach, anything else to add? Uh, Well, I mean, I guess and, you know, I guess you don't want to waste too much time on it because you're right. You could talk about the Chavez-Taylor fight for three hours, but I actually I'm, I differ with, with, with Ron. I actually think the stoppage was good. I think you have to respond to a referee no matter whether it was a second left in a fight, and Taylor was out of it, and I the only reason why I even bring it up is is that you know, and you know, not to feel of, the, uh, of a guy who just passed away, but I actually think that and I thought that Georgie Benton was a brilliant trainer and, and, and I, I think it probably wasn't their intention, but I think that, that Taylor in that fight was so out of it. I think they did him a disservice by waving and, and, and trying to get his attention from the corner. Because if you see in that last seconds of that fight, Taylor's so out of it that he's sort of distracted and looking towards his corner for whatever reason, maybe he was just completely groggy. And, you know, he just took his eyes off the referee you know, and Steele was was made powerless. There's nothing more he could do. If the guy's just knocked, he's, he's literally saying, "Meldrick, do you want to continue?" And he didn't. And he's looking towards Lou and and and, and uh, Benton. And if there's, I've seen the other angle where they're like waving their arms and you know, frantic and right, right, know, right, right. I guess if I was out of it, I'd be doing the same thing. Like, what are these guys doing? Like, you know, why are they trying to wave to me? And and it in you know, maybe unintentionally or inadvertently cost him the fight. If they were, if he would have just turned, looked in, in, in Steele's eyes and said, I can fight. There's a very good chance that Chavez never gets another punch off and he wins a decision. 
Right, right. Well, uh, like you said, uh, fascinating, everybody. Uh, you know, as always, boxing's the ultimate Rorschach test. Uh, anything uh, else about this topic, Joe, before we move on to the scorecards of Thurman Garcia? Because that's another fascinating thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just uh, want to thank Lou for you got I like when I met, like I said, when I was a little kid, I used to see him all the time. Whether it was Rocky Lockridge, the Olympians. I mean, I remember. I don't know if you remember when Mark Breland turned professional. Yes, and, yes. And, yeah, remember, it was a free fight. It was free, like mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. enter the contest and you you send it to the Daily News, and <laughs> uh, you'll see if you they'll send you tickets if you won, and I won. <laughs> I wow. won. My dad took. Wow. I, and I, I, see I remember movies. watching it on TV. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it was actually there. I think I was 10 years old when Amazing. I was there. And, uh, it, was, it was an electrifying night and it had a big impact in my boxing uh, life and way of thinking. And it's just mm-hmm. weird how everything works out. Like all the everyone that I wanted to meet in boxing, he was one of the main ones I always wanted to meet. And, you know, he was, he was a class act as well as his family. So... I just want to say rest in peace. All right. Good stuff there. Thank you, gentlemen. And uh, obviously, uh, Lou Duva was a uh, you know, gift for boxing. And uh, he certainly made his life on it and uh, left us with many memories, uh, obviously. Uh, you know, doesn't have to be like well, one side or the other. No, he was a terrible person. But, but, but. Uh, and I don't think we get that from Lou as well, but he certainly was a guy who uh, boxing was much better off for having him than not, I would think. Uh, but uh, switching gears a, a bit, Ron, you were on the air with me after the Thurman Garcia fight, and we were talking about the terrible scorecard that was scored in favor of Danny Garcia. And that turns out strangely enough maybe i don't know i want to get what you guys think maybe not the worst scorecard of the night dave mckay and kevin morgan was the one who scored the fight 115 113 for garcia but uh, going on air we did not know the rounds how dave john mckay not dave mckay <laughs> he was an old baseball player oakland has got baseball on my mind already let's go yankees uh john mckay the judge who scored the fight 116 112 for keith thurman had maybe one of the strangest scorecards i've seen in a long time he scored the first round even and he gave a lot of oh no no sorry he did not give the first round even he had uh he had garcia ahead though going into the 11th and the 12th and thurman only won because he gave thurman the 11th and the 12th rounds now on paper that looks like a good scorecard but that that's uh pretty out there uh ron christian what do you think listen uh I've never claimed to be great at scoring fights. And I think I told you afterwards that I scored the fight 116 to 116. I am, but, but when I looked at it, I said, holy mackerel, Thurman won that fight regardless of what my scorecard says. So first of all, I'm, uh, I'm not Harold Letterman. You know, I'm not infallible like Harold. Um, 
it was a tough fight to score, guys. I mean, there were a lot of close rounds. But overall, you certainly had the sense that it was not uh, Danny Garcia's fight. Um, so you, you may be asking the wrong person. I mean, I came up with uh, By the way, I called four rounds even, which is a disgrace. I concede. I, I, you know, I'm ashamed of myself. Uh, <laughs> you don't call four rounds even. Uh, but I couldn't decide which of the two. Uh, so even if I split those rounds, I still would have come up with a draw, and I still think uh, Danny Garcia lost that fight, despite my prediction for his victory. So, no, I, uh, you're asking the wrong guy to criticize another judge. Well, maybe I'm being a little too harsh. It just sounds kind of odd to give Thurman 11 and 12 and making that the deciding factor of giving him the fight. Well, I mean, 11, I even think Keith Thurman would concede that he lost that round. And uh, 12, uh, not many people gave him 12 either. So, I mean, if I am the person, the overseer of how judges are scoring fights, and I see that, at the very least, I can't just say, oh, well, fights are tough to score. I have to say, well, this looks a little odd. This guy has to be in my office. Am I am I thinking too much into this, Joe? Uh, I think the right guy won. I mean, that's the thing. I think the right guy won. Uh, I don't think that Thurman won the last two rounds, but in the end of the day, the right guy won. <laughs> and um, I I just don't like to see someone who who I really believe lost the fight win. And the fight. Oh, before I say anything else, you were right, and me and uh, we were wrong. Oh, but, you don't uh, have to. That's not necessary. I've been basking all week. Okay. That was one of the texts I sent you, but uh, it was it was a good <laughs> fight. It wasn't a great fight. I was expecting a little more fireworks, but it was a good fight, a good Saturday night of boxing. That's what more boxing needs more. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of rounds where I, I thought – Keith won the fight the way he ended it. He could have uh, settled down a little more at times in the end of the fight. But, you know, in the end of the day, he won. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll either see a rematch or we, we we see more better boxing on TV, on free TV, as Keith Thurman says. Yeah, I, I, I mean, maybe not, but I think everybody's looking at it in the standpoint of a, a fan. But as somebody who is a, a commissioner, somebody who's in charge of this stuff, I mean, you know, maybe I, I overreached a little bit saying it was a bad, worse scorecard than Morgan's card who gave, uh, you know, a 115-113 score in, front, in favor of Garcia. But uh, odd that McKay gave the last two rounds, I mean, especially that round 11. I mean, uh, what, what, Zach, uh, I, I know you're a guy who has, uh, you know, a, a, a clear thought process in terms of how fights are scored. Uh, am, I, am I overreaching here? Uh, well, I mean, one, I'm not against even rounds. I, you know, Ron is probably, uh, you know, uh, ceremoniously whipping himself with a, with a read right now because he gave four even rounds. I, I actually think even rounds. I'm one of the few people that actually think that they're round, that if a round is too close to call that it should be thrown out um, by making it ten ten and not making it a deciding round. 
you know, I think too many fights are, are decided by nondescript rounds. Uh, a fight that comes just to mind would be Matisse and Judah, which Matisse clearly won and lost because every early forgettable round immediately into the bank for Judah. So even with knockdowns, he couldn't overcome gigantic lead that nobody thought Judah really had. So I'm, if, those, if, if two or three of those rounds were even rounds, what they should have been, Matisse walks away with a decision. So I'm for even rounds. Um, and I think, you know, you're saying, should we, this guy be brought in? And, you know, like the, uh, like the guys that judged the uh, first uh, Martinez-Paul uh, Williams fight. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know what? I, I mean, yeah, sometimes I like to see that because it's so horrible. It's like, why is this guy judging a fight, you know, like get him out of here. Uh, I don't disagree with that, but I think it makes more of a case for what I've said on your show before, which is, you know, instead of just bitching about, you know, different, different outcomes or different things over and over again in boxing, but actually do something about them. I've been saying for a long time, and it's something that New Jersey did, I think back in like, you know, the early 2000s and abandoned after like six months. And I, I never understood why, because I thought it was a great rule, which, which is, you know, doing, getting this, doing combined scoring, getting the scorecards and the, the, this, you know, the, the, the scorecard that does not agree with the other two, like say if round one, uh, two judges gave it to Thurman and one judge gave it to Danny, well then the Danny scorecard gets thrown out. And that score goes that that round goes to Thurman. Uh, if there's a if there's two two and a and an even or two evens and and one for Danny, Danny gets thrown out and that round is officially even. So you just have one official score at the end. You know, I know people aren't used to that. They like to hear you know 97, 94 or whatever, right? you know whatever math or you know uh, I'm sorry uh, for a 12 round fight you know 118, you know 102 or whatever, right? but you know, I think that what that does, it gets rid of the oddball judge because there inevitably always is one guy. It's like the old Rashomon theory. There's always one guy that sees the murder the different way. Right, right, right. So, you know, get rid of him. You know, get, make, make him a non-factor. How many fights have been decided because of one goofball judge who evidently was watching the fight in the parking lot? You know, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and by the way, in history, I think I brought this up to you. They've taken that combined scoring, and they've ran it through like a test of like controversial uh, fights. Yeah, I remember and, you told me Hagler beats Leonard. Yeah, and uh, almost uh, every time, the fight, the fighter that people thought won, won. Like Hagler wins the, the Leonard fight. Uh, every mm-hmm. every close, you know, debatable controversial fight has always fallen on the side of the fighter that everybody thought really won when they went back and did combined scoring because you throw the oddball judge out. Right. Right. Yeah. Certainly. I, any, any system that uh, would have given uh Hagler the win over Ray is uh, something I would subscribe to for sure. Uh, but I mean, I just, you know, I don't know. We got one horrendous score. The right guy won, but we had one horrendous scorecard, 115, 113 for uh, Garcia 
And then we have McKay's scorecard, which, uh, you know, he gives four rounds to Danny, but not rounds 11 and 12, uh, two of his more clearer rounds. Uh, odd to me. If I'm the commissioner and if I'm in charge of appointing judges, I have to have a conversation with these two guys. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but uh, we're coming up towards uh, the end here. We didn't get much time to talk about uh, Lemieux and uh, Stevens, but we do have about seven, eight minutes left before I have to get to that win. So uh, let's do that. I think it's going to be uh, a good action fight. I don't think I'm really uh, cracking any kind of code there when I say that. I think it would be a shock of the year if this fight turns out to be boring, uh, Lemieux and Stevens. And it's one of the rare times we're going to get to see the HBO uh, telecast on an, on a non-pay-per-view card. We saw them earlier in the year when they had a fantastic double header, but uh, HBO's, uh, you know, telecasts that are on, you know, the, the premium channel, non-pay-per-view are pretty paltry. So uh, Lemieux Stevens, middleweight slugfest, both been conquered by uh, Triple G. They fight each other. How do you guys uh, like this fight? And I'll start with Ron Christian. I love this fight. Uh, by the way, the boxing examiner, I'm not real familiar with them, came out and said that predicted Lemieux would win a boring fight. I do not see this as being a boring fight. I love neither one of these guys is going to win the world championship, but I love both of them. They're both uh, warriors, uh, maybe a little weak chin, uh, good punchers, not great defensive. I expect, I expect a war, and I certainly expect Ava Lemieux to come out on top. Uh, and, and in my mind, probably by knockout. I look. I right. a great. This is a great matchup. Definitely, I I, I agree. But uh, you know, like I said, ultimate Rorschach test. Somebody looked these these two matched them up and uh, predicted a boring fight. Uh, who would think? Joe, you're up next, buddy. It's it's gonna be fireworks. You got two guys can punch. Two guys that come forward. I think Curtis has a little more versatility because he can't box. Uh, as you've seen when he fought Derek Finley. Uh, the only thing I don't like with Curtis, I don't know how his, his stamina is not that good at 160. 168 is okay, but 160 I think it was a bit of a strain. Uh, he'll start off. If he doesn't get him out of there the first four or five rounds, I would lean towards David Lemieux. But uh, for that first four or five rounds, I think it's going to be uh, bombs away for both guys. And if you put a gun to my head, I think I would lean towards Lemieux because I think he knows it. I think he knows he has to get by the first four or five rounds. And I just think it's a great fight, another great fight put together. And uh, another good Saturday night of boxing. <laughs> So yeah, definitely. And we, we got a good Friday night of boxing coming up. Uh, and we got a good Saturday night of boxing coming up. And uh, neither is on pay-per-view, so that's always a plus. Uh, but, yes, and uh, if this fight goes with this, I think that will surprise some people, too. Uh, Zach, what do you think? Um, I, I agree with, uh, with Joe. I, I actually, uh, I actually think that Lemieux is gonna 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 blast Stevens, uh, it, but but be fun while it lasts. Um, I've never been a huge Stevens fan, um, not anything personal, but I'm mean, just. Uh, I thought that, uh, you know, he he lucked out with a I think a little quick stoppage against Toronto Johnson, a fight he was clearly losing. Um, I guess what I like about the fight more than anything else is just that, you know, it's not necessary to have, like, the title, the eliminator. You know, 
uh, HBO has gotten insane with it. It's you know it's either a title eliminator, two undefeated guys, or the uh, the catchweight. You know, can the light heavyweight guy go up to cruiserweight and fight the guy? How about just have two contender guys who happen to be both victims of Triple G fight each other? You know, I mean, that, there's nothing wrong with that. The, the 80s and light heavyweights were filled with great fights like that and, and middleweights as well. I mean, you know, we don't have to see Marvin Hagler all the time. We can see Wilfred Sipion against the Mustafa mm-hmm. Ham show. There's nothing right, wrong right. with that. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm all for them just putting two solid contenders against each other. All right, good stuff there. And before we get out of here, I want to get your pulse on this, Zach, uh, because I, I thought it was really strange the the Thurman Garcia fight, big fight here in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, I'm in the Bronx. If you didn't know, I know you knew, but those who are listening, uh, all week daily news, big newspaper, nothing. Day after the fight. Virtually nothing. How was the coverage, the news coverage uh, in, in, in Philadelphia? I mean, yeah, Danny being the, the Philly guy, was, was the newspapers uh, as paltry as uh, they were here in New York covering this fight up till fight time? I mean, no, 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 no articles at all leading up to the fight here in New York. Uh, worse and embarrassing. Um, and you know, uh, I, I was actually just like, uh, I think uh, Pelts had put it on his Facebook page like, hey, uh, where's the coverage for this fight? And he has like zero to do with, with either guy. And, mm-hmm. and he was just like, it's, this is a joke. I mean, and, and uh, I, uh, I, actually, um, I actually wrote back, I don't know, to him or whatever, and I can actually kind of find it here and quote it to you. Um, today's, uh, today's Philadelphia Inquirer, a generic, a, a generic article on page five with no photo, in the same edition, two articles on the 13th place 76ers, an article on the Phillies' fourth starter changing his, his delivery, delivery. Uh, <laughs> who, the, who, the, who the Eagles might take with the 14th pick in the draft, which is not a news item, that's speculation, and an, right, article, right. By a, an article of, by a staff writer on his love for Converse sneakers. You know, Amazing. So basically, the problem isn't the boxing, it's the coverage. Amazing. Well, at least the good news was the ratings were were, were very good from what I read. So that, that at least we have that. But uh, embarrassing, embarrassing, and uh, you know, and then people like us. I mean, for me anyway, I, you know, I, I try and do what I can to cover and everything, and uh, I can't get credentials for uh, the Triple G fight. Now all these guys are coming out of the woodworks; they want to be there. So the the guy who the people who follow the sport all the time get shut out of the big events. It's, it's sinful. That's just my little soapbox moment there, gentlemen. But uh, final thoughts. Uh, what, what do you got coming on, uh, coming up next? Uh, second matchmaker extraordinaire, second to only uh, Joe, Zach Familio. Uh, what do you want us to know about yourself before we get out of here? Uh, well, just uh, I wasn't on that long ago. So, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to be at the Garden on the 17th for uh, – Larry Fryers, who hopefully will steal the show. He's an Irish kid, very exciting style. He'll be on the same show with Conlon. Uh, He's promoted by LiveCo, company I work for now. Um, And then after that, I'm going to be in Ontario, uh, Canada, uh, for a a show that's headlined by Tony Luis. And then the following week, I will be in Palm Springs for a show 
headlined by Max Becerra, also two fighters uh, that are promoted by LiveCo. All right, great. And I did get approved for credentials for that Friday night card, so uh, hopefully see you there, buddy. Uh, thanks again for coming on, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. All right, you too. All right, and if any of you want to hang out and ask interviews for the ask questions for the fighters, you're welcome to. But I know you guys are busy. Uh, Joe, uh, you're going to be uh, in New York Friday as well, March 17th. We already know that. What else is going on with you, buddy? Yes, tomorrow we have uh, two of our kids from Split Team Management, Wesley T- Wellaway, Wesley Tucker, and Antonio Nieves in the main event. So that's pretty exciting for us. Uh, then and also in Denver, Colorado, we have Marquise Moore. He's a world amateur sensation. He won the world national Golden Glove, two-time Golden Glove, national Golden Glove champion. He's fighting in the six in his first six rounder against Benjamin Jordan. Um, next week, I will see you with uh, the next boxing superstar, Teofimo Lopez. Uh, he's fighting a, I believe he's fighting a six his first six rounder after his in his second fight. And anybody who is able to see that fight, you'll see something that you never see again. <laughs> you, have, you haven't seen before, uh, until except for the the old time fighters, because this kid is a throwback. All right, yes, and Tiafimo will be on a little bit later on. We interviewed uh, Tucker and uh, Nieves uh, last week, and I'll put those interviews up again in the archives, uh, to, you know, to warm everybody up for the fights tomorrow night. Good stuff. Uh, thank you again. Again, if you want to hang out, talk to that one a little bit, you're more than welcome. But uh, right now I'm going to go to Ron for his closing remarks, and if he wants to stay on as well. But uh, we, we go with the flow here, Ron, as always. Well, we've got, uh, you know, Philly's got a couple of uh, of nice fight cards th- this weekend, uh, neither of which uh, matches up, uh, you know, extraordinary fighters, but both exciting cards, both on Friday and Saturday night. That doesn't happen too often in Philly anymore. And, uh, you know, I'll be in attendance as a, as a fan, not as a, a participant. But, uh, you know, Philly trying to do a little bit of a comeback. We'll see. And uh, we'll see how that goes. We've got two very good, interesting fight cards, though, Friday and Saturday night in Philadelphia. We're trying to make a resurgence here. And we did get coverage in the Philadelphia Daily News the day after the fight, um, but it was from an Associated Press. So the wow. old days where we had Bernard Fernandez covering fights all the time, he's now retired, unfortunately. Um, those, days are, they, those days seem to be gone. Yeah, I mean, I was an avid reader of the New York Post and the Daily News' sports section. I really, very When I was young, I very, very rarely went to the front of the newspaper. And whenever there was a big fight, there was articles leading up to the fight all week. Michael Katz was a big contributor to the Daily News, uh, and it's just it's sad to not see anything now. But, uh, Ron, you sticking around, or you, you got to get out of here, buddy? Unfortunately, I got to get out of here, but uh, thank you for uh, having me on. Always good to hear uh, from Joe and Zach uh, and uh, and you. And uh, congratulations on getting it right and uh, humbling the rest of us. On the Garcia fight. <laughs> thank you so much. Got it right on the nose. That's what I want to hear you say, my friend. Indeed. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to get the Dat win right after this.
everybody. We're back live at Zoots Boxing Talk, the boxing show, where we bring you your sweet science straight up with no twist. And my next guest is a professional fighter with a record of 20 wins, seven knockouts against three losses, never been KO'd in his career. And he's coming off of a tremendous victory February 21st in Houston, Texas. He upset the apple cart. The B side was victorious in convincing fashion. Stopping the favorite Miguel Flores in six rounds. We are joined by Mr. Dak Wynn. Hi. Welcome uh, to the show, my friend. Doing? We are Thank doing so much, excellent. Uh, oh, pleasure is all ours. Thank you for uh, giving yeah. us your time. And uh, first of all, congratulations on the big win. How much, first thing, let's, let's start off with the aftermath of the fight. How much has your phone been lighting up since that big upset victory? <laughs> a lot of people have been calling me to uh, congratulate me. You know, I mean, it's, I've been overwhelmed. Uh, I mean, it's been a blessing for me to, to you know, to get everybody to uh, call me and, and uh, congratulate me like that. So thank you so much from everybody. All right, so let, let's talk a little bit about the preparation for the fight. I mean, going in... You had to know that nobody, uh, you know, obviously McFlores was the A-side. Not many people were having you as the victor. You were the clear uh, opponent. Now, you know, as a fighter's mentality, I know you're always going in there winning. But how much of that motivated you? Like, you know, this guy is not, you know, so so far better than me where I don't have a chance. Did you use that as motivation? No, I mean, I always knew that I was going to be a champion one day, but, you know, in the sport of boxing, you need uh, to have the opportunity to do that. You need to have the right people in your corner, the right promoter and the right fights and the right the, the right amount of time to prepare for it. And, uh, you know, for this fight, you know, I didn't have a trainer, and that was a very <laughs> disadvantage. But in a way, it worked out well for me because, you know, I get to, you know, set up the training camp the, the way that I wanted to be trained, and, uh, you know, everything was perfect for me. And, you know, when I was training with uh, with Buddy McGirt, you know, he, he got to say over anything that I got to do. You know, he, he got to sparring partners and, you know, how I was to be trained. But, uh, you know, this like I said, God blessed me with this uh, this win, and uh, everything came out perfect because, uh, you know, I asked for God. You know, like I said, I've been in this sport for 13 years and never mm-hmm. got the opportunity. I got, three, I got three losses on my record. Those guys were better fighters than I was. You know, deep down in my heart, they were, they, they didn't beat me, you know. They just beat me because of circumstances. So, you know, when people who don't know about boxing, they look at my record and they're like, well, he got three losses and maybe he's not that good. But, you know, anybody who, who really know me as a person know I have really good talent. I should have been a champion a long time ago. But I, I just been overlooked. And, and, you know, it's been 13 years, and they look at my age and they're like, oh, he's done. But, you know, I just never fought, never stayed busy. I, I never fought for so long. And, but I'm a fresh fighter. I'm, I'm very sharp still. And, uh, you know, for me to be Asian, I, well, we, uh, you know, I get mature uh, later, you know, as you get older. So I think only now that I'm mature as a fighter. All right. Now, uh, let's uh, build on what you said a little bit there. First of all, how come you did not have a, a training going in? What were the circumstances behind that? Uh, you know, to tell you the truth, this is what I did. Um, you know, when I, I, I heard about I might have a fight coming up, you know, like I said, I live in Vero Beach, Florida. I mean, there's a lot of trainers that want to train me around here, but they live maybe like 40, 40 minutes or 50 minutes away from here. 
and I own my own business, so you know, for me to to take off and you know train, so it's, it's very difficult for me. So uh, I call up Buddy this time again. I call him up like right before the fight. You know, I call up Buddy. Hey, you think you can help me this time? He's like, Yeah, I can help you this time. But you know, Buddy never called me back again. So you know, I did. I, the last two times I lost, Buddy never show up. So you know, so maybe it was a good reason that Buddy didn't call me back because I did call him to help me train for this fight. And Buddy said, Yeah, I'll help you. I'll be back in four weeks or something like that. And uh, and he asked me how long did I had to prepare. I said I got four weeks to train for this fight. So Buddy's like, I will be back next week, and uh, he never called me back. So um, you know, I just like, you know what? I'm if Buddy doesn't show up, I'm I'm, I'm going to have everything planned out. Um, I'm going to get the right the sparring partner. Everything was falling into place, and uh, I already got uh, my students to hold the pads for me. I already know how to fight. You know what I mean? So I, all I need to do is get in good shape, get good sparring, and and I was going to win this fight. You know, because I know I know Flores is a good fighter. But I, I'm above him, you know. I've been, I'm a veteran. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been in with a lot of world champion. I spar with a lot of world champion, uh, and all my friends are world champion, and they make it big time, you know. Like I mean, I used to fight with Lamont Peterson, you know. They were my teammates, you know. Uh, my my sweet mate in in the Olympic Training Center was uh, Timothy Bradley, and he he fought Pacquiao three times. So you know, all those guys know who I am, and you know, I even beat Andre Durrell, you know. And Andre mm-hmm. Durrell was a big mm-hmm. name at this point, so. In amateur yeah. and and Hello? so you know for me it's, yes go ahead. No, I I thought you were still going. It, it, yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, you look at the record uh, that and you you see the three losses, but if you look, uh, all decisions. One was a split. Obviously, there, there's talent there. Even if you don't, you know, if you didn't even see you, you know, footage of you, if you're a savvy guy, you, you look at this right well three losses but uh, you know never been stopped distance losses wrong side of close decisions so uh, obviously uh people ha- have that in there but uh, let's get back to your mode of training so you choosing your own sparring fa- partners what was the uh the formula for you to pick your sparring partners what was the criteria that you were looking for uh you know like i said god everything planned this everything out for me to you know to get this victory because uh you know i i was very worried about you know having good sparring partner because a lot of times i spar with guys and they most of the time those guys are not fit to spar with me because they either runners they hit and they run or they're not sit there and you know bang with me or are they too strong or they too small you know but but like i said um i had this guy samuel uh uh, Nick Way. He's he's a Ghanaian fighter. He's managed by uh, J, uh, uh, Nelson Lopez. Anyway, I met him in my last fight, uh, the fight that I fought in um, in Hollywood, Florida. So sparring with him, and uh, he 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 was uh, he needed a gym to to train, and I, I was like uh, a few weeks before the, I accept the fight. So he needed a gym to train, and uh, Nelson Lopez called me up. And he asked me, Hey, can uh, one of my fighters use your gym to train? And I'm like, Yeah, you know, come, come, come. And uh, he started using my gym, and, uh, you know, he just hit the bags and stuff like that. And I wasn't even training, you know. <laughs> so, anyway, um, you know, he used the gym. He got himself in great shape. And uh, and then I talked to my wife, like, you know what? If I accept the fight, I'm going to be able to use Samuel for sparring because he's a good sparring partner because I followed him uh, to, to prepare for my fight in Hollywood, Florida. So, um, that that was the case, you know. And, uh, you know, like I said, God sent him to my gym. I didn't even ask for it. <laughs> And uh, he was working at my gym, you know, getting in shape. And uh, when I when I signed a contract for the fight, you know, I, t- I asked Samuel, "Can you be my sparring partner?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'll get you, get you in shape." 
And so that was that was the only sparring partner that I was I was using because he's actually a a lightweight. You know, he walks around like 150 something, but he fights at 140, so he's really strong. Right, right. And he he has the same height as as Miguel Flores and and a very long reach and a very very powerful guy. And we're talking to Dat Wynn, fresh off of his upset victory uh, against uh, Miguel Flores. Now, you said something interesting in your response there when you were talking to your wife. You said, if I accept the fight, was there a time where you weren't sure if you were going to take this opportunity? You know what? You know, I thought like six months before that, my, my you know, in June, my wife gave birth to my, my, my third son. And, you know, at that time, oh, congratulations. You know, yeah, thank you so much. And and you know, I had to take care of my son and you know, at that time, you know, I I had the gym to run too and all that. And you know, my wife's like, "You know what? If if you don't get a big fight, you know, you need to change career because you've been doing this for 13 years." So, um, you know, I told I told my wife to uh, talk to my promoter. You know, my I call up my promoter and uh, you know, I told my promoter, "Look, um, if you can't get uh my husband a big fight, you know, he's going to change career because he's doing uh because I was doing uh, equity trading with uh, one of the the proposition mm-hmm. company, and uh, that was my job for 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 a few months, you know. And I was uh, I was like, you know, if I can't be focusing on boxing and and working as a stock trader, you know. So right, right, my right. wife told my wife told the promoter, look, you gotta get that a big fight uh, if you want him to get back into the sport of boxing, because you know, I mean, you gotta have a big fight if you want to make a living, you know. And so that's that was mm-hmm. the case. So Marshall, uh, Marshall said, "Look, we're gonna get you a TV fight," and that that was on. I looked forward to, it. and uh, you know, he he told me that uh, you're gonna fight Miguel Flores, and I was excited about that, you know, because I know it was a TV fight. I gotta look good on TV, and uh, you know, that's when I I start doing my run and, and get myself in great shape, and I was very motivated, you know, you know, and like I said, I was ready to change career if, if it didn't work out for me. Because I've been doing it for 13 years and never got any recognition. I can't go on for 20 years, you know. Right, right. Now, it was clear part of your your success was uh, clear confidence in your own ability leading into this fight. Uh, How much time did you spend studying uh, Flores and his uh, style in in terms of trying to see how you match up against him? Um. Well, when I when I noticed that uh, my, my my promoter said it's Miguel Flores, I didn't even look at him. You know, I I take any fights. You know, I'm the type of fighter that you know I believe in myself. Any fighter out there, you know, I, I'm a well-rounded fighter. You know, I've been coaching people in my gym, so I develop my style to be well-rounded. I could be an inside fighter, I could be an outside fighter, I could box, I could move. You know, I, I could fight on the inside. You know, and bang and and, and slug. But so so. I, no, I knew that. Um, so I had to look up uh, Miguel Flores' style on PBC on the website, and I look at his style. And he's like, "Oh, he's a body puncher. He's a boxer." So you know, uh, it was a good fit for me. You know, we had similar styles, and I know it was going to be a, a great TV fight. So that's that's the reason why they matched me up with him. You know, uh, to put to make him shine. But instead, it makes me look better. Right, and with that, you were the clear B side going in. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the B-side treatment you might have been given here. You, you know, you were the guy that was there to make Flores look good. You just said it yourself. How was the the preparation going in? Did they, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of stories about how B-side fighters are not uh, given the best accommodations. What was it like for you? Uh, you know, like I said, my promoter, uh, he was the, the promoter for the show. 
So, you know, PBC, they've been treating fighters really good. And, you know, I think that's the best thing that happens to, to boxers uh, lately. You know, Premier Boxing Championship, they, they treat the fighter fairly, and even if you come in as a B-side or the A-side. You know, and, and that's the good thing about the sport of boxing now. You know, we have PBC in it to, to change the game up. And, and my promoter was the promoter for the, the show. Even though uh, Miguel Flores was on the A-side, I was a B-side, right, right. you know. I didn't, I didn't have any bad treatments or anything like that. And, you know, it was fair. I, I got my own rental car this time, so, you know, I, I was going to get delayed or anything. You know, like I said, right after the weigh-in, I jumped into my rental car, and I, I went back to the hotel and eat my food. You know, I got enough time to recuperate and be strong for the fight. You know, like I said, if you're on the B-side and you, you got to, you know, get a, a driver to drive you around, you know, that's a bad thing. They're going to take your time to, to get your food back in your body. and They're going to always do anything to, to give the, the A-side fighter the advantage, you know, if you're working oh, without sounds, the promoters, sounds so. like you do have some bad B-side stories, uh, but not just an in-fight. Uh, you are given the B-side treatment in, in other fights. Uh, so good. That's a good one. That's a good tip for a lot, a lot of B-side fighters. Uh, you know, drive yourself if you can or somebody that's part of your team. So, uh Good stuff there. And uh, what, what about fighting in, in Flores' home turf? How accustomed were you, I mean, to be the guy that was fighting in the other guy's hometown? Have you experienced a lot of that throughout your career? Yeah, I mean, for me to, to grow up in Hawaii, uh, Maui, and, you know, I really do, doesn't really have a home base. You know, for me, I never fought in on in Hawaii, so you know Hawaii would be my home base, I think. But you know, I I live out of Vero mm-hmm. Beach, Florida now, so a lot of people consider me uh, this is my home, you know. And I mean, I've been here for over ten years now in Florida, so I guess Florida would be my home now. But you know, I always been on the road. You know, all the fights were been on the road, so I know as long as I come in there and and you know be humble and and win the fight convincingly, the the judge is gonna be fair. So I fought in Houston, uh, you know, like maybe like two times, uh, you know, before when I signed with Tico Promotion. So I knew that, you know, Houston is, is is a large community with a lot of great people there. And I know that's one of the third largest uh, population for, for, for Vietnamese people. So I know a lot of Vietnamese people are going to support me, you know, uh, when I fight in Houston. So, and I know the judge is going to be fair and, it, you know, <laughs> So in the fight, I I didn't come in to to think of myself as uh you know and uh, uh uh not in a home fighter you know I look at it as a fair fight as long as I came in and I win the fight convincingly I was gonna get the win. You were aggressive from the start. You uh, were certainly fluent working behind your jab. You, you were able to get him on the inside and you're very good at distance. Uh, overall, do you think this was your best performance ever, or is there something out there that uh, uh, we, some of us might have seen? Uh, rate, this, rate that performance in terms of what you did uh, compared to the you had. Uh, I'm sorry, you you were breaking out a little bit, but uh, but I still could hear a few of you what you were asking there. Um, I broke up. I, I was is, breaking uh, up. Yes, yes. I think it's my signal. Uh, well, uh, might have been me. I'm having a lot of audio issues tonight. So let me just repeat it for those of you, for the audience who might not have. Uh, that fight, you were able to fight inside. You were able to fight at distance. You were able to work off the jab. And it just was a dominant performance from start to finish and uh, very versatile. You were able to do a lot of different things in there. Uh, compare, was that your best performance ever? And 
if and compare it against other performances that some of us might not have seen? Uh, where, where do you rank it? You, you, well, I, I gotta say this is the best performance so far, but they haven't seen the best out of me yet. You know, like I said, um, you know, if people who ever watched me in the gym sparring with some world champion, they would see me dominate against those world champions, and they were like, "Wow, this this kid can fight." You know, I mean, I I spar a lot of world champions in in, my, in you know, my, but but sparring and fighting is two different things for me to bring it out in a, in the fight. You know, so like I tell myself in this fight, you know, I just gotta be relaxed. And, and you know, just don't 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 go in there and try to knock the guy out because that's my mentality. Before I go in there and and you know, trying to take the guy out like a Mike Tyson guy, you know, I trying to be Mike Tyson and it doesn't look good. I don't have the one punch knockout like that. So, but I mean, I do have a lot of power, and I try to fight like a Mike Tyson and I don't I don't look good. You know, Mike Tyson is one of my idols, so I always try to go in there, right, 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 take the guy. But but like I tell myself, you know. I cannot go into this fight, and that's the reason why I look a lot better than uh, all my previous fights because I changed my mindset. I, I said, I'm not going in there. The same thing in sparring, right? In sparring, you know you spawn eight or ten rounds. And you're not trying to take your, your sparring partner's head off. That's why you look good in sparring because you know you're trying to get the work in. You know, you're not trying to finish the guy in two or three rounds. But in the fight, I was trying to take the guy out as soon as possible once the bell rings, and that's why I didn't look good. So in this fight, I changed my mindset. I tell myself, look, I'm going to go in there. It's a 10-round fight. He can win the first round, but I'm going to win at least six rounds out of those 10, and I'm going to get stronger each round, and that's what I did. Each round I was getting stronger because I was pacing myself for 10 rounds. You know, I, I tell myself, look, if you're running a 10 miles, 10 miles, right, and if you take the first mile, you, you sprint the first mile, you're not going to be able to make the nine mile, the, the next nine miles. It's going to be tough for you to make. So I tell myself, look, each mile just run like You'll keep the pace the same. So by the 10, 10 mile, you're going to be able to pick up the pace because, you know, you still have a lot of stamina left. And that's what I did in this fight. Each round, I was picking up the pace a little bit by a little bit. And I, I could see Flores was was getting a lot weaker each round because I was put pressure right, right. action on each round. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, so, it so just – right. It was a kind of, as we were watching the fight, it was just a matter of – when you were going to stop and not if i mean that that was clear around around round three i would say but uh uh did you have something else to say about that i'm sorry yeah it's just um, the the mindset that i changed you know and uh i tell myself that i just gotta be relaxed in there and a lot of fighters don't 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 get the chance to do that in the real fight because they're so hyped up with the crowd and I think all my past fights, the reason why I didn't look good and they, they chose me as an opponent is because I go in there and try to look, you know, I wasn't relaxed. You got to be a relaxed fighter. You got to, that's why great fighters out there like like Mayweather and Pacquiao, they're very relaxed in there and they take their time. You know, you, if you watch Pacquiao in, in the early part of his career, he was going out there swinging. He, even though he had good combinations, he didn't look as, as good as he looked now. I mean... I mean, the fighters, once you get to the top level, you know how to settle down and you pick your shots. And that's what I had to, to make up my mind. You know, I had to make up my mind. To, I was always a good fighter, but I never get to settle in. And this time I get to settle in. And so. Yeah, it, it was a great performance. No wasted energy. Uh, it certainly was flawless. Uh, but what about the scorecards? They didn't announce what the scorecards were. I didn't see the, the official scorecards at the time of the stoppage. Uh, are you aware what the scores were? Did they have you ahead as you should have been? Uh, in because uh, a lot of times in Texas, especially, 
A lot of calamity with scorecards. Were you ahead at the at the time of the stoppage? Do you know? Yes, I, I was ahead. If you if you want to look at the scorecard, it's on PVC. You know, PVC website. You look at the the match between me and and Soares, They would show the the judges' scorecard. Uh, one of the judge had me losing all the round except for second round. So that was kind of weird wow. because I mean, <laughs> he was biased. There's always I mean, one. There's always one. Yeah. Right. I mean, I could understand because I mean, if you look at his last name, is Gonzalez, and you know he's, he's Hispanic, of course he's gonna. But but the other two judges were fair. They had me winning three rounds uh, out of the five rounds uh, by the six rounds. So I was I was ahead by three rounds, and and Flores won two rounds, and uh, so I was actually ahead at that point. All right, and you, you talked about your connection and your uh, track record with all you know being connected with a lot of world champions and uh, sparring and all of that. Uh, give us some, uh, share some sparring stories with us, some of the top guys that you sparred with, if you can. Uh, I think I think the the most intense sparring session I ever had was uh, with Regendahl. You know, um, that was a few years ago, I think in 2013 or something like that. I, I was supposed to fight Gary Russell Jr., and you know, uh, Golden Boy called me out of the blue. You know, and I was in, I was running the gym. I was in, you know, not fighting shape type, but I was in decent shape. You know, as as a person who just stay in the gym to run boxing classes and stuff. So um, I had like ten days of training in, and uh, and then one of the guys that, that that used to bring the guys sparring for Regendahl, he's like, you want to go down to uh, to Hollywood, Florida and spar Regendahl? I was like, yes, I'm excited, you know? I mean, I know I always had the talent, and uh, I, I know I'm a champion in my heart, so I wanted to see spar one of the best out there and see how I look. So I went down there and spar Regendahl, and, like, I was the first sparring partner, and he was like, I think I think he was like 10 days away from his his fight on HBO right before he fought um, with Donary. So he was really okay. sharp. And I only had... Yeah, one I of mean, his best I performances. Had, Right, so I had I had ten days of training in. You know, I I've been running for like three, four times, and I've been in the gym for ten days. I'm like, man, I'm not in shape. <laughs> I mean, for me to fall with one of the top powerful pound guy, I'm like, you know what? But but I was like, I I can go a couple rounds with him, no problem. You know, I just gotta be smart in there. Don't don't exert a lot of energy. So we went down there and sparred with him, and um, the first, you know, because he's blowing all the sparring partners away. So for me to spar with him, everybody's like just quiet and, and like everybody just stopped doing whatever they're doing. They just watch me and him spar. And, you know, for me to spar with him the first round, he couldn't figure me out. And I was just having fun in there. And, uh, you know, we spar for a couple of rounds. And uh, I, I was like, wow, this is one of the best guys out there. So it gave me a lot of confidence, you know, to spar with Regendahl and, and, you know, for him to, you know, to, to be in the ring with him. And he can't, he can't do nothing to me. And, you know. I mean, for me to have 10 of training in there just to be able to go rounds with him and he's not dominating me, you know. I mean, if I was in great shape, I, I mean, I know I could just take Regendahl apart because I know that he can't fight on the inside. You know, that I saw some of the weakness that he has. He's a good, good range uh, outside fighter with, you know, if he has his range and behind his jab. But you got to close the gap on him. You got to walk him down and you got to make him, uh, you know, get out, get out of his comfort zone. And, and you know, for for you to beat fighter, you know, styles make fighting. You gotta be able to adjust. You know, if you're just fighting one style all the time, fighters fighters are gonna figure you out. So you know, for me, I I know how to adjust my my style, and I can you know I, I can be on the outside countering. I could be a pressure fighter fighting on the inside, and you know, make a slugfest. And and you gotta be unpredictable. And you know, to fight a guy that's predictable, you can be able to capitalize on on. A, you gotta be, you can be able to capitalize on the mistake. And every fighter has flaw. Every single fight, like my last fight, I look at my fight again. And I know that I have a lot of mistakes that I need to correct. 
So they haven't seen the best out of me yet because, you know, I, I basically self-trained myself for this fight. So, of course, I'm not going to be the best that I'm going to be able to look, you know. And what, what kind of guy is Rigging Diao? Fabulous talent, one of my favorites. But he seems like a peculiar guy, sort of an oddball, so to speak. Did you get to, you know, converse with him at all, uh, get to know his personality a little bit? Um, you know, we speak a few words after the sparring, but he's very, very humble guy, very nice guy. And, uh, and you know, for him to be at the top of his game, you know, and, and you know, he took a couple pictures with me and my wife. And uh, very, very humble guy, very, very humble, and I like that from him, you know. And I think, oh, good. I think that's yeah. why he got a lot of fans, yes. I, 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 you know, just by seeing him, it's hard to figure him out. Some of the things I read about him, but you can never believe everything. So that's why I wanted to get it from right. you. Uh, yeah. you. You talked about the fighting shape, not fighting shape. Can you explain the difference between being in shape and being in fighting shape and how you know when you're in fighting shape? I mean, you know, if you if you run every day and and basically fighting shape is different because you got you got to have like you know your your, your hands got to be loose, you know your condition got to be there. I mean, you can run every day, but if you don't hit the bag, your hand is not going to be quick. Your hand is going to be so slow, and you know your head movement is not going to be there. So you know you got to go through that. You got to be able to get your timing down. So all that is that's what fighting shape is about. You know, you got to have your timing, your your, your range and your distance. And your 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 punching speed because if you just get in shape, if you run, you said if you run five miles out of five minutes, you go into the boxing ring is a different game out there. You said you're in shape, but that's not boxing shape. You know, boxing shape is you gotta be you gotta be sharp. You gotta be able to see punch coming at you. You gotta be be able to make a miss. You gotta be able to roll with the punches. And if you're not used to taking punches and you're coming in, it's difficult to to go hard right away because your body is not mm-hmm. adjusted. Your mind is not adjusted to the, the the velocity of the punches. You know. So fighting shape is totally different from being in regular shape. And, you know, you got to go through it. You, there, there's no way to skip it. You know, you got to have the sparring in. You got to have the back work in and, and, and all that, the mid work for the timing. All totally right. So, yes. All right. So talk a little bit about what's coming up next and uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what, what do you see? You, you talked about, I mean, this fight is a, a big step up for you. Uh, when do you think you'll be back in the ring and who are your possible opponents? You know, I'm so excited right now that uh, that after this win, you know, everybody's calling me and uh, congratulating me. And, you know, they're, they're looking for me to, to be looking forward to see me fight my next fight. So, uh, I'm excited myself. You know, I've been in. The, I just been back to the gym already. I've been, uh, you know, hitting the bags, and I didn't lose a beat because, uh, I mean, I, I had to keep the momentum going. So, uh, my speed and my my condition is still there. You know, I didn't go out and you know party or anything. I have a family here, and I got a business to run. So, um, I don't do none of that anymore because I'm I'm mature and I'm I'm older. You know, I have a family, but but I'm still young. You know, I'm still young, as fresh as a fighter. So um, I'm, I'm in the gym, and um, I'm looking forward to the next fight. I'm just waiting for my promoter to, to you know, his son is about to fight on Bounce TV for the title eliminator, to the right to fight Deontay Wilder, uh, Travis Kaufman. So if he wins that fight, you know, we're going to have a couple world mm-hmm. champions on the King's promotion. You know, Kermit Chinchuan is also on his promotional company. So I know I'm going to be able, you know, I got to believe in myself. So I know that if I keep doing what I do, I can be a world champion. I can beat those guys. I'm looking to, uh, to fight at featherweight. So, you know, I would like to fight maybe like, uh, you know, Lee Shelby, uh, Leo Santa Cruz. Leo Santa Cruz used to fight on my undercard when I was uh, fighting in Houston. And look at him now. He's a superstar, you know. So I would love to fight him, uh, you know, Abner Morris, 
Uh, those guys, I, I think I'm way stronger than all those guys and, and a way bigger puncher than all those guys. So, um, you know, I just want to be able to get the opportunity to prove it. You know, you, you can say a lot of things, but you got to be in the ring with them and prove it so the fans can see it. And, you know, like I said, you're only as good as who you fought last. So, you know, uh, I just got to fight those guys so the fans can see it. All righty. Thank you, Dat Win, And, uh, we thank you for your time. Now is the time for some closing remarks. Anything you want to, anything else you want us to know about you out there? Any social media you want the fans to know? Now's the time. Thank you for coming by. Yes, thank you so much, Anthony, for for your time. You know, uh, for for the time to take out to to do this interview with me here. And I want to thank all my fans around the world. I want to thank uh, everybody in Vero Beach. Uh, everybody on Maui, Hawaii, and everybody in Vietnam, you know, all those people who tune in to watch my last fight. And uh, I want to thank all my fans in England and everybody around the world. Thank you so much for your love and support. Please uh, tune in to watch my next fight because you're going to see a lot better for me coming up. And uh, thank you, everybody, so much. That's it. All righty. Thank you so much, and you have a good rest of your evening. Thank you so much, Anthony. All righty. Uh, good stuff there from uh, that win. Uh, incredible performance. And, you know, he's right. Uh, every fighter does have flaws. I didn't see many flaws in his performance uh, against Flores. But, uh, you know, honest evaluation of himself and where he's at. Clearly, he said that was his best performance moving forward. This is a third win in a row for him. And, uh, you know, he's had a lot of experience. And uh, with this kind of a win, he could get matched up with some of those uh big name so uh good stuff there we're going to take a, a a break when we come back we should have on uh teofimo lopez after this no cam tell us at what point the fight is ended but anyway it is another knockout for marvin Hagler. he scored 36 knockouts now in 47 fights he's won 44 lost two with one draw and it is here's the announcement unable to continue the winner by a knockout in the seventh round, Marvis, Marvin Hagler. Marvin Hagler, and they have decided that the knockout was in the seventh round because the sixth that round has other. Hagler making fight. a speech up there. I can't hear what he's saying with the crowd yelling. Hagler's got the microphone, and he's making some speech. He has, come over and repeat what you said for uh, television. I want Hugo Carl. I've been fighting all the best in the world right now. Now I know that I'm ready for Hugo Carl. Nobody has stopped Willie Warren. The man is tough. He fought Benny Briscoe, fought Seals, he fought Ed Formio. I can't figure how they get a shot with Ed Formio in there before me. But. I'm looking for Hugo Carl because I believe the man's a sissy. And I'll tell it to his face if I can find him. The man's a sissy. That's what I have to say. I'd like to say thanks to all my fans who come down and to all my fans in New Jersey, my son in New Jersey, my grandmother, and to the rest of the world out there. I will be the next middleweight champion. Thank I'll you. tell you this much. You fought like a champion. You I threw everything that. at him. He's tough. He's tough, as you Nobody know. Nobody knocked this man That's out. That's right. That. And you stopped him right there. That's right. Now. I wanted to put his lights out, though. Can you contain the frustration of not getting a title shot and oh, keep yeah. it going? Keep oh, it going yeah. for yourself. Oh, yeah. Till I get Hugo Carl. That's my destiny. I wanted Valdez before the old man today. 
Ain't no reason why Valdez should have had a return match. It wasn't in the clause. He should fight a good breaking champion like myself, the number one contender in the world. That's who he should fight. Hope you get the chance. Thank you. Marvin, great fight. We'll return to the Boston Garden after this word from your local station. Welcome back to Zoot's Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you a sweet science straight up with no twist. And thank you so far to Joe Chiambo, Zach Pamilio, Ron Christian, and Dat Wynn uh, for moving the show right along. Tiafimo is not quite ready yet, so now now's the perfect time to uh, get some of the plugs out there. If you're a fan of the, the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Zoot29, that's capital Z. Lowercase U T E twenty nine. If you want to email with any questions or comments, you can email me at tootsboxingtalk at yahoo.com. You go to maxboxing.com, ringnews24.com for all your boxing fixes. And if you are a crossover fan, a fan of mixed martial arts, you go to ringsidereport.com. As I am a correspondent of uh, MMA on that site, that site is also a great boxing website as well. Uh, you could subscribe to the show, Zoots Boxing Talk, on iTunes if you uh, are someone that can catch the show live and like to listen to it in the archives. iTunes is a great way uh, to do so. You go to iTunes, put in Zoots Boxing Talk in the search bar, and uh, subscribe. And uh, as soon as the show is ready, it'll come up uh, for you to listen. 
And uh, you can also follow the show on blogtalkradio.com, which has been giving me a lot of headaches uh, tonight with the audio. Uh, sometimes it's uh, on the Blog Talk Radio side. Sometimes it's the side of my uh, computer. I'm not sure which. So uh, I want to try and be as fair as I can. But uh, we'll definitely see. And as uh, you know, I'm going to take another quick break and try and get uh, Tia Film on in a couple of minutes. But uh, uh, talking about Lou Duver, obviously, uh, the Chavez Taylor fight comes to mind, and that anniversary is coming up on uh, Friday, March the 17th. I will be at the, the theater at Madison Square Garden covering those fights. And, uh, just a fascinating fight, fight of the year 1990. And mind you, that was the year Buster Douglas uh, upset the world and Mike Tyson, 1990, uh, just a month before. Uh, and that fight went out, fight of the year. And obviously, so many things have been said about it. Uh, who was really ahead? I mean, after watching it carefully and scoring it carefully, I thought Chavez was slightly ahead going into that 12th round anyway, uh, as did uh, Chuck Jompa, who had gotten lambasted at the time, particularly by Jim Lampley of the HBO crew. And uh, Lampley has gone back and uh, corrected his comments, as uh, Chuck Jompa uh, has told us on this show way back uh, when I interviewed uh, Chuck and then of course the stoppage and uh, you know the one thing that bothers me till this day about this stoppage and I've said it on the, the air numerous times is when uh, Richard Steele didn't seem so worried about the, the health of the fighter when uh, he was supposed to be protecting Donnie Lalonde in the Sugar Ray Leonard fight and and I've interviewed Donnie about this a long time ago and uh, you know if you look at that fight he clearly didn't ask him a word when he went down hard against Ray, uh, clearly drained, clearly hurt, didn't ask him boo. Wiped off his gloves and uh, pretty much threw him in the direction of Leonard so he could get harmed a a little bit more. So that part of it bothers me. And the other part that the referee is not supposed to know uh, what time it is in the round. I mean, I've talked to other referees, the late Wayne Kelly, uh, especially, and uh, said it's nonsense as a referee you know how much time is left i mean arthur mccanty uh used to sometimes even say when the you know the, how much time was left a couple of times in old fights that i've watched with him so uh, you know and at the same time i could understand the call because the taylor was done uh so uh, you know I, I could understand it but uh, you know i like to see some consistency and he did not respond sure but I've seen one other, and I've seen other referees do this too. Now, should the right be corrected? Yeah, I guess so, because the Lalonde fight came before uh, the 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 Sugar Ray fight, and uh, I guess the argument can be made that uh, Steele learned from his mistakes. Something tells me that the circumstances of the fighters had something to do with it as well, especially for the Ray Leonard side. He threw that B-side Donnie Lawn fighter in there. I mean, Ray Leonard got treatment like no other. Uh, just to give you an example, I mean, it was a catchweight fight, a fight for a world title at super middleweight and light heavyweight at the same time. Are you kidding me? What other fighter gets that kind of treatment? So uh, those are the things that bother me the most about the defenses of the stoppage. Not to necessarily say I disagree with the stoppage, and you know, at first when I first watched it, I thought like some of the Taylor 
would have won a wide decision or should have won in that wide decision. And he would have clearly won a decision had the fight lasted the two seconds. But uh, rewatching that fight, I didn't think that uh, he deserved the victory. I thought Chavez was ahead. We're going to try to get uh, Teofimo on back. We're going to try to get Teofimo on again. We're going to try again to say not to get him back on. He hasn't been on yet. Uh, so I'm going to take another quick break and see if we could get him uh, rolling here in this final half hour of the show. So uh, bear with me with another quick break, and uh, we'll see what happens. One week before the fight, Foster is seen here training. This could be Bob's toughest title defense in the four years that he's been world light heavyweight champion. Foster won the title with a spectacular one-punch KO over Dick Tiger in New York City four years ago. Since winning the title, Bob has remained very active. He has had 17 fights since becoming the champion and has stayed in virtual constant training. Many experts attribute Bob's crushing power to the way he snaps his punches in whip-like fashion. This will be the eighth title defense for the 30-year-old Foster, who tonight will go against a younger opponent, 25-year-old WBA light heavyweight champion, Vincente Rondon. Let's watch Bob go through some of his training routine as he prepares for a tough 15-round title defense. And now the night of the fight. Here's the challenger, Vincente Rondon, warming up. He's a two-to-one underdog this evening, in spite of his impressive ring record. Rondon is a native of Venezuela, and many of his fans are seen carrying their country's flag. As the fighters get last-minute instructions, the huge crowd is on the edge of their seats. Both of these men are recognized as light heavyweight champions in various parts of the world. And tonight, the issue is going to be settled. Champion Bob Foster is in the blue trunk, and challenger Vincente Rondon is in red. Venezuela's Rondon began boxing professionally seven years ago, in 1965, when he knocked out Jose Carballo in the third round in Caracas. Since then, Rondon has had 42 professional bouts, 21 of which he has ended by knockout. Bob Foster going right out after Vincente Rondon here in round one. That's a jolting left jab Foster's using. There's dynamite in those Foster punches. In 1971, one year ago, Vincente Rondon met Jimmy Dupre in Caracas and scored a sensational sixth-round knockout, which gave him the WBA light heavyweight crown. In his one year as WBA champion, Rondon has had to defend his title five times, and he has stopped four of those challengers by the sixth round.
Rondon is thought of in the boxing trade as a slick boxer. continues to press here in round one. Rondon ties up champion fight. And there's the end of the round. World light heavyweight champion Bob Foster began boxing professionally in 19... All righty, welcome back to the show. We do have Tiafimo Lopez on the line. That was my error. Uh, so man, maybe everything is my fault tonight with the sound and everything, but uh, I was able to fix it, and uh, Tiafimo is on. He's actually training right now. Tiafimo uh, Lopez, lightweight fighter, 19 years of age, five foot nine. Orthodox style. He was born in Brooklyn, lives in Florida, and uh, he is a decorated amateur. That he'll talk a little bit about his amateur uh, background, and he already, you know, and he's already tasted uh, the lures of uh, the bad side of boxing, so to speak. Some, uh, you know, his uh, amateur career has been, uh, you know. Highlighted with some, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say wrongdoings, but certainly stuff that was controversial. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But this guy uh, is uh, talented, and you heard Joe Kiambo talk about him. He's been already compared to Floyd Mayweather Jr., and he is fighting next Friday night, two, currently 2 0 with two knockouts. Tiafimo Lopez, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um... You know, just training and um, just getting ready for next week. That's all. You know, just going for three and zero, three knockouts, and um, you know, just this is this is my time now. You know, pro- professional. I'm professional now, and I feel better. And um, you know, it was destined for me, so I'm just ready for whatever comes at me. All right, so let's get the controversy out of the way. I mean, obviously, you were a decorated amateur. Uh, the talent was there, but uh, controversy, as often does in the amateurs, uh, you know, wreak havoc on you. So explain a little bit to the audience what happened there. Well, the people need to understand, you know, I went with Honduras um, at the Olympic Games. Yes, I did. Um, but, you know, I, I, I decided to represent my family's country, but I had, um, uh, due to the politics and due to the technical ruling that I able did, but it wasn't technical. It was just something that they did. Um you know, um, I couldn't represent USA despite winning the U.S. Olympic trials. The main thing you need to win in order to be part of Team USA and be in the Olympics. Um, people don't know that side of the story because USA Boxing is hiding it. You know, they don't talk about it. Um, they really don't want me to say I won the U.S. Olympic trials, you know. But that's, you know, it's in the books. It's written. And, um, you know, what happened was uh, they had this guy, Carlos Baderas, the guy that represented USA, Um People need to understand, if you're an amateur, if you, people will understand clearly how it went with the, um, <clears throat> if you're in amateurs and anything, and if you're in boxing. Um, you know, he was fighting at the World Series of Boxing, um, and he didn't qualify. They were taking the top two. The top two 
the top two guys in each weight class or so, they will have the Olympic berth to to fight, you know, for their country in the Olympics. Um, he made made it to the fourth. So he was ranked number four in the WSB, so he didn't qualify. You got to be top two. So he was getting ready for the Olympic trials. You can look back at his um, – you can look back at anything, his social media, whatever you want, and he was saying, you know, he's going to train, get ready for the Olympic trials. So he didn't know. Um, I able did a, a, a sneak move where they they allowed the number one and number two that qualified already at the World Series of Boxing, and they already had their Olympic berth to qualify again at the World Championships, um, which he couldn't go because he didn't qualify. Um, and uh, they 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 actually got the spot again. So Azerbaijan and Cuba, which were the number one and number two at the World Series of Boxing. They qualified again. So they qualified in two qualifications that you're not supposed to do. So I able, mm-hmm. what they did was, what I able did, they decided, okay, since they already qualified twice, let's move number three and number four from the World Series of Boxing, which was Russia and USA. Um, let's move them up as number one and number two. So instead of collecting two guys from the World Series of, World Series of Boxing, they collected four guys from the World Series of Boxing just like that. So um, mm-hmm. something that they did – they did a sneaky, and um, they got away with it. So I was the first one ever in history to win Olympic trials, and I represent USA. First one to win it. You know, people say, oh, I, right, I represent, right. I, fought, I fought at the Olympic trials, but did you win it? No, you didn't. I had all rights to represent. And what they should have done is they should have had the World Series of Boxing and the USA. I was basically USA, you know. He was World Series of Boxing. I was USA. We should have done a box out. And they knew we were supposed to. You know, that's why um, – why you think Cuba and everybody wins golds? Because that's what they do. They do a box off with the WSB and the guy that's from the Cuba team. They'll do stuff like that. And that's why, you know, it's very rare that you see USA get a gold. The last time they got a gold was in uh, 2004, Andre Ward. So um, it's things like that. I think it's just going to get worse. 2020 is going to get worse. 2024 is going to get even worse. You know, it's just, it's, it's just, if they could do it this time, what makes you think they can't do it again? Um, USA Boxing, they have no pool. They have no pool no more. They don't have to say so. I able does. And they know right. that. You know what right. I'm saying? Uh, it's, very, it's complicated if you don't understand it, but what they did basically is just they got four guys from World Series of Boxing to get in because the more World Series of Boxing and the more I able pro boxers fight it in the Olympics, the better it is for I able to collect more money. It's just, that's just how right. it is. It's all about money. It's all about money. It's not even, you know, politics here and there, but it's basically about money. You know, um, and, this, and of course it happens in, in professional as well. You know, I might have to go through it here and there, but, you know, I'm ready for whatever. I think uh, the amateurs and IABA and USA Boxing, they got me ready mentally, not physically, but they got me ready mentally to 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 whatever comes at me politically in the in the pros, I'll be ready for. I've, I've felt it before, and, um, you know, I'm just uh, I'm thankful for being in the spot that I, I'm at today. Um, I'm not hurt. Uh, I fight great. I know I'm the best. And um, I truly believe that within me that I will be world champion and give it two years. And you had na- named the most outstanding boxer at the U.S. Olympic trials at the 132 weight. And regardless of the controversy, you were considered one of the top prospects coming out of 2016. Now you already have two professional fights. 
under your belt, both by knockout. Talk a little bit about the transition between amateur and, and pro. Uh, obviously, I, the pros is more about the knockouts and all of that. So, but talk a little bit about your, your transition and uh, your two professional fights up till now. Um, well, you know, my pro debut I did at the undercard of Manny Pacquiao versus Jesse Vargas in the, on uh, November November 5th of last year. So that was great, you know, fighting in a pay-per-view card like that, you know, undercard, um, and just uh, signing with top rank. You know, I signed with top rank. Um, I think they had the better option for me. Uh, they had a better plan for me. And um, even though despite, you know, I had different offers, um, I chose top rank. Uh, they know how to build fighters, and you know nobody can say anything negative about that. They know how to build fighters. So me, you know, <clears throat> I did my pro debut. I won by second round knockout. You know, I could have stopped them in the first, but I wanted to show a little bit, you know, of my skill level at the pro ranks. You know, show everybody at professional that you know I'm here and I know how to fight. I, um, you know, I told my father before the fight when we were in the locker room. I was like, I'm going to drop him in the second round, and I'm going to do the Muhammad Ali. You know, the Muhammad Ali, when he fought uh, Sonny Liston, he said, get up or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's pictures of it. So I just speak it to existence, you know. I say I will be champ, champion, world champion in two years, and I'm, I, I believe that, you know, I'm speaking it to existence. I know it's coming. Um, my second fight I just had actually two weeks ago, or a week ago, no, two weeks ago, um, February 24th. I have fought um, this guy, Francisco Medell. He has 17 pro fights, you know. I had came off from, you know, basically like three months, two months without fighting. I fought in February. And, um, you know, they gave me, a, you know, a guy that has 17 fights. Usually the top rank doesn't do it. I don't think any promoter would do that. And despite having it in my second fight, and um, I just outclassed the man. You know, I finished him in the fourth round. I felt like the referee should have stopped it in the third round, you know. But um, that's not my say to say, you know, it's um, the referee. And, um, you know, I stopped him in the fourth round by TKO. And, you know, I'm just getting ready for, for to give another knockout in Madison Square Garden. All right, you're fighting uh, next uh, Friday, March the 17th on St. Patrick's Day. Your, your listed opponent is Danielle Bastine. Uh, any footage, any, any uh, information about your opponent? you know anything about him going into the fight? All I know is that, you know, uh, I'm just there to win, and I know he's there to lose. That's really what it is, you know. Um, you know, but me, technically, I don't look at film. I don't look at any fighter I fight, you know. I don't need to. I mean, uh, I, you know, every fighter is different. I let my coach do that if they do that. You know, if my father does it, you know, that's on him. But uh, we don't look at film. I don't look at film, and, and I tell him I don't need to, you know. Uh, you never know, you know. When you're in the ring, then you'll find out. I just, that's the type of fighter I am. You know, I just, uh, I just go there and I, I don't even look at them. That's really it. Well, uh, talk about finding out. When did you realize or discover that you you wanted to pursue fighting, boxing? When when did you get started? And when when did you realize this was something that you were very good at and wanted to pursue a professional career? How far back did your boxing boxing aspirations go? Um, my father is funny. My father back in New York because I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Um, he uh, he actually did one tournament, which was the Daily News Golden Gloves. It was his first fight. Um, and um, really, you know, he was training here and there, and he had boxing gloves. I was three years old, and he had gave me some gloves. There's some footage. 
hopefully we can find it again. <laughs> um, but there's some footage. I was, I think I was three years old, and I was hitting my dad in the face, you know, with some boxing gloves. And I don't know. I think um, I even came out, my mother's, you know, I came out the womb with my fist in my mouth. So I think boxing, I was just born, born to box. So, you know, um, I'm just thankful, you know. I, I started boxing, but I really, really started boxing when I was six years old. And um, I really adapted to everything that takes months to learn. I, I adapted it in weeks. So I believed, you know, from there on that I was I was destined to do something in this sport. You know, I tried I tried different sports, but boxing I just fell in love with. And um, I can't I can't at this point now I can't turn back. You know, it's all or nothing here. That's why um, I just fell in love with it. And um, you know, and now I'm fighting um, I'm fighting six rounders actually for this my third fight my for my third right. pro fight I'm already fighting six rounders so that's a great. That's a great thing. I think top rank, you know, they they realize they they realize what I'm what I'm about. I'm ready, and um, mm-hmm. they're they're um, they're putting me out there. That's the best thing. Now the decision to to step up to six rounds in your third fight that was that was solely top rank's decision. Uh, you didn't have a say in it. No, yeah, no. Well, you know, that was in that was that was top rank's decision, and um, and my manager, my manager, David McWhorter, he uh. They they talked and they said yeah let's go to six you know I look ready, um, it was basically like a test, it was a test for the second fight I got a 17 fights, you know for my second pro debut I mean my second professional fight, you know um, people at Top Brain they were very uh, astound by how I looked Carl Moretti um, Brad Goodman the list goes on and on, um, you know they were very happy about my performance they looked they said I could go 20 rounds you know that's how great in shape mm-hmm. I was, so it's moving to six, and I think they're talking about eight, but let's see. Right. Uh, boxing has come natural to you fighting. Uh, you, you're talking about how uh, you pick up on things quickly. Uh, what, what was life like for you, though, growing up? Were you, were you getting into a lot of fights outside uh, of the gym? The, the, I mean, get this reputation. Yeah, this guy, you know, the, the people start trying to challenge you. How do you keep out of trouble if something like that occurs? Nah, you know, I always kept it mellow. I don't know. I was always like a calm kid, you know. Um, and of course, when I was young, you know, they put me, they actually put me into spar, you know, um, like that first week of me training. <laughs> so, you know, I was only six. Uh, and it, every time I got hit, I would get angry. You know, I want to be perfect. So, um, but I never had any problems. I had, you know, I fought probably once in school and it wasn't good for the guy. But, um, you know, that's, I just I learned how to you know people try to hey let's fight you know they try to try to do that I just walk away from it you know um, at the end of the day it's just I have a I have a career and whatever they do with their lives is is up to them but I don't know I'm just mellow I'm just calm. All you know, right, good stuff um, there. And you yeah. you mentioned Muhammad Ali, so obviously uh, boxing history is there. I mean, everybody knows Muhammad Ali, but not everybody might know the moment with Sonny Liston that you uh, described. Did you watch a lot of boxing growing up? Yeah, who are you fans of uh, of yesteryear? Oh yeah, boxing definitely. I was watching so many films. Um, um, you know, I was watching Muhammad Ali, of course. The way he would backpedal, the way he would stick the jab while he backpedal. Um, you also got Floyd Mayweather, which I really looked at a lot. So, uh, you know, he really paved the way for me as well. So, you know, I won't take that away. 
Um, Floyd Mayweather, Roy Jones, uh, Pernell Whitaker, um, who else? Um, Mike Tyson, of course. You know, fighters like that, Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, I would look at fighters like that, you know. I, I like to, me, to be honest, I like to entertain. This is the, this is the sport that we have to entertain. And um, really, I, you could say I'm a showboat. If I showboat, yeah, probably I do. But I just like to have the crowd entertained, you know. These fighters nowadays, they just, they fight get the job done and walk away. Me, I, I really feel like you got to let the crowd be smiling, you know. You got to leave them smiling <laughs> and leave them happy. You know, that's that's what they pay for, you know. I get a check and they pay to watch. So uh, we're entertainers at the end of the day. We're performers and we got to perform. Uh, I watched so many films, you know, Roy Jones Jr. as well. So many great fighters and uh, that paved the way that to where I'm at today. So I got to thank all of them, you know. I just feel like at this point in time, I feel like now it's time to take take over and step over that and just uh, make my own legacy. I really believe that. And, you know, me winning the Olympic trials and everything, I became, well, since Roy Jones Jr. and Antonio Tarver, because I'm from Florida now, you know, um, since Roy Jones Jr. and um, Antonio Tarver, uh, we're the next uh, that won the Olympic trials, yeah. Right, right. It's been about a quarter of a decade. I mean, a quarter of a century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you, you've been <laughs> you've been compared to Floyd uh, Mayweather already, and in his early days, he was a terrific offensive fighter. Uh, came more of a defensive guy, not as many stoppages uh, in the second half of his career. But uh, what do you think about those comparisons? Uh, I mean, you're a guy that seems like you uh, welcome the pressure, but uh, a lot of people might say it's way too early to say that. What what are your thoughts on being compared to Floyd? People have their opinions, you know. Um, Floyd wasn't doing it. If you look back, his pro debut, you look back at his second fight, you look back at his third, um, probably all the way to his 17th fight or whatever, he wasn't doing what I'm doing now. You know, and look how much he's improved since then. So what makes you think, if they're comparing me now, how 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 you think I'm going to look within the time and the experience of being professional in the years to come? So it's scary. It's actually scary, to be honest. I'm kind of I'm kind of frightened about it because <laughs> I know what to do. You know, um, right, right, right. and it's not a lie. It is not a lie. I mean, people say it's too soon. Well, that's how they feel, you know. Uh, people have their own opinions, like I said. Um, I'm just, I'm just there to entertain, and it's actually it's okay, you know. But I'm not no, I'm not no Floyd Mayweather, you know. I'm Teofimo Lopez. I'm gonna be better, right. and I'm just out there to do. I'm just out there to break records, you know, break his records and mm-hmm. become, you know. I want, I want the young ones. That's why, you know, I went to Honduras to represent them in the Olympics as well, because uh, they have no hope. So I actually help them too. Um, you know, I can't, I can't just say USA and I can't say all this, but as well, Honduras to help everybody in the whole world, you know, it's really, I want to be like Teofimo Lopez. That's what I want to hear. You know, I want to be the next right. Teofimo Lopez. Be this. It's our own legacy, you know, and I don't get hit. I hit and I don't get hit, you know, Floyd, you know, right. Floyd wasn't doing it. So yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, good, good answer there. Very straightforward. We appreciate uh, your your honesty. And uh, well, what about the, the the dynamic of you and your corner, Floyd Mayweather? A lot of these other top guys you mentioned, Roy Jones Jr. 
known historically for not really listening to their corner, their tra- especially in between rounds. I mean, uh, you're a guy that seems like you're, you're very dedicated training now as we speak, and uh, appreciate you in- interrupting your training to give us this interview. But what about the dynamic of uh, the corner? How much do you rely on them between that in that minute in between rounds? It's uh, me and my coach, which is my father. I mean, uh, it's like one soul. You know, we know one another. He knows what I need to do. He knows what I could do. And um, he knows actually what round I could stop the guy, if anything. So uh, we just have a, a we have a bond, really. It's just we click. We know what we have to do. You know, I know what I have to do. but And people don't, you know, sometimes they say it's not good to have a father and a son, a father as a coach. And sometimes it'll be hard and stuff. I, I really, I don't know who the hell, who the heck, sorry for my language, but who the heck tells them that? Um, different fighters are like that, but me and my father is just uh, we connect so much. So, like I said, right, right. Uh, well, we well Floyd and his father had a rocky relationship, on again, off again, that kind of thing. Uh, so there, there you go. But uh, obviously, it seems like you have a much more uh, tighter knit group there. Uh, we're talking with Tiafimo. Uh, Lopez is fighting Danielle Bestine on uh, March uh, the 17th, a big card at the theater in Madison Square Garden. Uh, living, you, you were born in Brooklyn. I'm, I'm a Bronx guy. I live in the Bronx. I will be at covering the fights Friday, so looking uh, forward to that. Uh, do, do you still have your New York roots? Uh, I mean, you're living Florida now. Uh, do you follow other sports? Are you, uh, what, what kind of uh, loyalty do you have? Uh, are, you, are you still loyal to the New Yorkers? Or are you all about Florida? It sounds like you're more of a Florida I'm guy. All, I'm all Brooklyn. I'm I'm Brooklyn made. I'm I'm New York. I'm New York made. You know, I, you know Florida. You know they don't have the support that they have in New York. You know, um, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. That's what people need to understand. I was born in U.S. soil. Um, I have family in New York. You know, so I have all the supporters. I have so many fans out there. So I know it's gonna be a great, great show. My first time that I fight in New York, and um. Especially at the biggest event, Madison Square Garden. What else can I say? I'm just truly blessed, and I will be the best show out there. I mean, come next week, I'm going to be the best one to fight. And I uh, just look great at what I do. You know, um, it's easier said than done, but I, I make it look easy both ways. <laughs> All right, thank you. And uh, moving forward, I mean, we're, we're in March already. You, you know, you, you're just starting out. Uh, if you were to make an evaluation or a, a assumption, I should say, not an evaluation of how many uh, fights you want to have for this calendar year, uh, how many more fights do you think you want under your belt uh, in 2017? Whatever gets me closer to a world title. That's really it. I, I think, you know, I'm very hungry. I'm mental. I'm mentally ready. You know, I might be young, 19. I don't turn th- uh, 20 until July 30th. So, you know, I'm just I'm ready. Whatever gets me ready and closer to a world title, I'm up for it and I'm up for grabs. You know, I'm basically fighting twice in one month. Something that uh, right. Mike Tyson used to do. Mike Tyson so, days. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Uh, good comparison there. Uh, so, I mean, 19, you seem to be uh, way ahead of prodigy, so to speak, a, a guy who is way ahead of schedule in, in terms of uh, going longer rounds, uh, certainly getting a lot of attention, positive press clippings, great comparisons. Uh, what if, For those who are out there listening, young fighters, uh, six, seven years old, like yourself when you started, what's the best advice you could give a, a young aspiring fighter today? If you if you 
if you have something, if you have a dream, something that you, you dreamt of, anything, doctors or anything you want to become, make sure when you do it that you stick with it. Uh, never give up. That's really the, the motto. Never give up and just stay true to what you what you want to do and who you want to be. Never let nobody tell you anything different because if they see greatness in you, they want to keep you away from that road and and take you out of it and make you work a nine-to-five. I chose to stick with it 100%, and I'm here where I'm at today. So I'm with top rank, and I will be world champion, like I said. Um, decorated, I'm, you know, one of the best to come out from USA Boxing. Um, won the National Golden Gloves in 2015. The list goes on and on. You know, um, I'm just, for the young ones out there, don't give up. Don't let nobody tell you different. And if there's a father there to coach their son or daughter, stick with them all the way. That's the best way. That's the best relationship you can have. All righty. Thank you for your time. Teofimo Lopez in action March the 17th at the theater in Madison Square Garden. Uh, in the middle of training, as we speak, he's in the gym's training. So how about that? The Efimo, uh, now it's <laughs> yeah. time for some uh, final final words, any social media, anything else you want to plug or, or say out there. Now is your time for closing remarks. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you. I just want to say thank you to um, to for this interview. And um, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, at Teofimo Lopez. There you go. All right. Thank you. And I will be at the theater next week. And uh, I'm looking forward to you uh, in action. Thanks again, buddy. I'm looking forward to seeing you, too. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. And get back to training. Don't go to sleep too late, though. You, know, you got to keep early hours. Oh, that's the thing. Boxing, <laughs> boxing, boxing is 24-7. That's the best thing about it. Yeah, we will. There just, you go. We, we were just finished. I mean, training right now, you know. He was, like, off, you know, he was a bit uh, on the weather. Um, since Monday, but he's getting better now. All right, and this is Tiafimo yeah. uh, Senior, Tiafimo's yeah. dad, correct? Uh, dad, uh, I just want. What do you? I, I, go I just, ahead. Did you see? Did you see his fight? I have not. I I looked for the, the fight. I couldn't find any footage on it. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I, there was a fight Let's, with the under. I missed the under the Pacquiao fight. I didn't see that, so I didn't see it yet. Okay. If you if okay if there was to be stats, you see a lot of people don't don't believe or you know he's gonna do this to everybody. I mean, I mean I, I've seen this kid. Uh, I, am I on the air? Yes, you are, sir. Hello. Okay. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna keep it to myself then. But I mean, he he <laughs> just uh, he doesn't miss no punches. I was gonna say some names, but I, I don't want to mention no names. But I mean, he's been there with the with the biggest. And the best, you know, when he says that he Floyd wasn't doing this at, at his age, you know, he wasn't. You know, I mean, I'm going to send you some videos of him where the fights that he had, he doesn't miss a punch. Everything he he throws, touches, he doesn't get touched. It's just, it's, he's just amazing. And that's why he got that fight at Madison Square Garden. That's why they, they try to move him faster now, gave him that six rounds. To me, it was just like a test when they put him with that guy with 17 fights. I mean, nobody's ever fought in the second fight with, with a guy with 17 fights, you know, and coming out of, like, straight 10 wins and six knockouts, you know? And, right, um, right, right. And to me, that was, a, that was a test. And I even have people telling me, you know, that 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 are uh, from top rank, telling me, listen, man, that's a test. But tell your son to do the best he can 
and and you know he he does that to everybody, you know, and 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 it's easier for him to fight fighters that are already that are already pro, I mean that are already up there because it's easier for him, you know, because they know how to fight, so he knows where the punches are gonna come. So you know it's it's harder to fight somebody that doesn't know how to fight because they they throw awkward punches. You understand what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So the, that's what I'm trying to say. So I mean, it, I mean the stats should have been like 90% accuracy and punch power, and everything he throws is with power. And he doesn't, you know, he stays in the pocket, but he's not getting hit. And I'll I'll send you some videos so you can see what I'm talking about. Yeah, and, definitely. I, mean, I, I tried but, looking, and all I saw was training videos on YouTube and stuff like no, that. So I'm gonna show you his. I'm gonna show you the video. He's gonna be calling me right back and telling me it's true what you're saying. I mean, I, nobody's doing what he's doing. It's just it's period. You know, and and soon the world's gonna find out he's just been tossed a bad a hand in the game of boxing. The amateurs destroyed him. You know, right. um, destroyed his image. You know, to me. All the fighters are made by Aiba. Aiba makes champions, you know, but they're not really champions because everything is bought. I mean, you you go to the Olympics. I mean, they got rid of my son the first day because they had to, you know, and 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 they got rid of all the judges, thirty six judges. That mm. that that Olympics, that the boxing Olympics should have been forfeited because they disqualified all the judges because they were cheating. Wow. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy, right? If if you go to an yeah. event and they and they get rid of all the judges because they 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 cheating, the, the event doesn't count. So mm-hmm. I told mm-hmm. my son when we was up when we was up in Rio, I told my son, listen, don't get like that because somebody's got to know your your talent. Everybody booed the decision. Brazil was screaming Honduras, but they don't. You know, we in Brazil and the whole crowd is screaming Honduras. Brazil, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. booed the decision. It was all over the newspapers. That it was a really bad decision, and that guy that, that that they gave it to was the guy from France and won the silver the silver medal. So they, right. you know, all these guys already had everything bought. So I told my son, "Listen, man, when we get over there, somebody has to know your talent." And that's what exactly what happened. As soon as we got over here, everybody started bidding on him. Everybody, and he was the first signee, the first signee in the United States. First one. They decided none of the Americans from the American team from USA. They just started signing these people. They signed my son back in September, right after the Olympics. Wow. You know, and, uh, you know, and then put him on. And the only reason why I signed was because they put him on the Manny Pacquiao fight, and they gave us what we wanted. Right, know, right. Because they talent, and they knew that he was going to win the gold medal. You know, they knew this kid was gifted. So. And he's only 19. He's a baby. So I told him, you see what I told you? You're the only one that they signed. Why? Because they know the talent. You see, there's people in boxing that know boxing and that could see things. And I knew there was somebody out there that could see the talent. And, you know, this. now we are where we at. You know, I'm very controversial because people say, oh, this guy talks a lot. That's his son and this and that. No, but, but he backs it up. Right, you know, right. He's a clean fighter, clean professional fighter. He goes a day, he's playing chess, you know, with these fighters. And when people see this, they they can't believe what they're looking at because it's just like an art. You know, he's like Floyd, what Floyd is now. You know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. why they compare him to Floyd because they compare him to Floyd because of the way Floyd looks now, not when he was a 19-year-old. Because nobody remembers Floyd when he was 19. They remember Floyd now. So that's why he gets these comparisons. You know, but um, Floyd was not fighting like that. You know, in the first or second fight or third, mm-hmm. all the way up to the seventh fight, because I've been watching video. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I got to give Floyd everything that my son is now, plus other fighters that I, I watch a lot of videos. A lot of fighters, Triple G, Mike Tyson. I get a lot of little things. The biggest things, the, 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 the things that are going to help my son, I take a little bit of everybody. Even Andre Ward, when he steps to the right hand, you know, and takes off that jab, I, I teach my son all these things. And, and he just sucks it up, you know. There's a good relationship we have going on, you know. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and he's a starty. I mean, everybody's just like, they can't believe this kid's only 19 and doing the things that he's doing. And the thing is that he's so accurate, he doesn't miss any punches. It's very rare. And if he gets one, if he gets hit two or three times in the whole fight, it's a lot. You know, and, um, you know, I just want everybody to check him out. You can watch his videos on YouTube. Just put Teofimo Lopez, T-E-O-F-I-M-O, Lopez. Once you go into YouTube, you'll see the fight. They're, they're right at the beginning. And, you know, and, and, and nobody's seen a fighter like this in a long time. That's why Top Rank is so hyped with him, because they want to bring back the fighters like Sugar Ray Leonard and all these fighters from the, back in the days. You know, um, a smart fighter. Not a fighter that goes in there and just throws punches like crazy. You know, and I'm just so hyped. Yeah, I can't wait. You know, if we're going to do a show. We're going to do a show over here. I mean, in the Manny Pacquiao fight, nobody knocked nobody out. You know, right, right. he was the only one that he's the only one that got a knockout. He got a knockout, and you know that they only bring the guys back there from pay per view for the pay per view card. They don't bring nobody from the undercard card. But I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Aaron was happy with him. He brought him back backstage and put him in press conference and called him first. You know, wow, that says something there. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I mean, he's gifted. He's, I mean, nobody's seen a kid like this in a long, long time. And, and you know, I just want everybody to go watch him. And if you can't watch him uh, in person in the Madison Square Garden, they're going to be televised on Unimas. Unimas at 7 o'clock on Friday Eastern time. You guys can watch him there and enjoy his way of fighting. It's just unbelievable. You know, and um, the reason why, the thing I don't understand is why they don't show the stats. Like back in the day, I mean, when Floyd used to fight the second fight, they were showing in how many punches he got in, how many punches he threw. They don't do that. I don't know why. You know, and, and, and that would show his accuracy and show a lot of things that people don't know right now, you know. But um, I'm just very excited, and um, I, I thank you for this interview. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be meeting you over there at the fight. You, you going, right? Hello? Yes, I am. I'm looking forward. Sorry that my mic was a little uh, messed up there for a second. I will be there Friday looking forward to your seeing time. your son and meeting you. Yeah. Hey, and uh, listen, is, um, the, the number that you called me before, I'm going to send you some videos from there, right? Sounds beautiful. Can't wait to watch him. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll definitely talk to you before fight night, but uh, we gotta we got to close the show out now. Thank you for your time and your son's yeah, time, and, and uh, we'll I talk again soon. Yeah, and I want everybody to see the end of the fight where he takes out, like he's making believe he's taking out a shotgun, and he clocks it, and he takes the guy out. 
I mean, nobody does that in boxing, uh, you know. So he's an entertainer. Uh, you know? Looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, thanks a lot. <laughs> It'll be fun. Oh, man, he's just amazing. I'll I, I send you some videos, and um, and nice talking to you guys. And uh, just look up to your people, Lopez. We will. And you have a good rest of your evening, and uh, stay motivated. I, I, I love the spirit, but we got to get out of here. All right. Take care. Thanks All right. Lot. Thank Please. you. Thank you, thank you. So we got a little extra bonus coverage from uh, Tiafimo Sr., uh, hyped up. Uh, can't wait to see him. I, I looked on YouTube. I, all I saw were training uh, video, him sparring or, or hitting the pads. And uh, so I'll look again. Maybe I missed it, but he's going to show me some. He's going to send me footage, so I can't wait to see that. But uh, maybe I just missed it. Uh, <laughs> Tiafimo Lopez uh, Jr. on YouTube. Check him out. Check him out. Next week, uh, I have to get out of here. The end of the show is near, and uh, we'll be back on the air next week. Some good surprises for next week. But until then, ring the bell and keep on punching.